Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Lying in my bed, I hear the clock tick and think of you. Caught up in circles, confusion is nothing new. Flashback, warm night, almost left behind, suitcase of memories. Sometimes you picture me, I'm walking too far ahead. You're calling to me, I can't hear what you've said. Then you say, go slow, and I fall behind. The second hand unwinds. If you're lost and you can't look, and you will find me. If you fall, I will catch you. I will be waiting, time after time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. I was going to sing it a little more and I didn't. I just William Shatner did. Anyway. I want to live like common people. I want to do yeah. whatever common people do. Whatever common people do. You know do you know what? I saw a trailer for one of his new films. It's cool. It's got. It's written by some of the people who did Next Gen. He's and got a new film? Yeah, and it's like a, a tomb, like a Tomb Raider type film where they kind of like unearth like a mummy. How okay. How is he 89 and looks that good still? Does he still look good? I just yes. the only thing I think about William Shatner is how much he's a bit of a repulsive man on Twitter. <laughs> is he? I don't follow him, so I, don't <laughs> no, I shouldn't follow him. Then I wouldn't think about it and just could enjoy this. <laughs> is uh, what you want about the Devil's Revenge by any chance? That's the one, yeah. Oh my God! Look at the cover. <laughs> it looks amazing. Oh, it's a, welcome to hell. Oh my God, Jerry Ryan. Yep. Jerry Ryan gets the um the billing above Shatner. I don't know who Jason Brooks is. Anyway, I haven't introduced the show. <laughs> this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on an adventure to watch a century of cinema, decade by decade, year by year, and I am one half of your host, Liam Delaney. And oh, I'm Oliver Jones. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> How you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I am. I've uh, been trying to work at home today. Uh, it's very hot today, actually. Here's where 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 I am anyway, um, and uh, my VPN has been playing up all day, so I've been able to kind of do nothing basically awesome. at work because I've been kicked off constantly from the work network. So oh. that's been fun. Oh, and I went for lunch. <laughs> this is a good story. I went for lunch, and uh, uh, there's like a cafe next door to me, so I figured I'd just pop in and quickly get something to eat. And I kind of walked in and like I was just standing kind of by the entrance waiting for someone to talk to me, um, which it's outside. It's like a courtyard. And uh, like lo I was loads of people were just milling past and like in restaurants, servers have like, you know, masks on and everyone sitting right, down yeah. doesn't because, you know, you can't eat with a mask on. And uh, I was watching the servers all go about and they were kind of looking at me and then looking away again. And I was like, oh, what's, what am I meant to do? Like, so... <laughs> I kind of just, I, I watched, like, as, like, two people with masks on went inside, there was one person with a mask next, stood by a table. She was, like, putting the cups together, like, stacking the cups together, just standing by the table. So I went right. up to her and I was just like, um, can I just uh, grab a table? Is that okay? And she just went, I, I don't work here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really, like, really, like... Like, like angrily and I was just like oh I'm so sorry I'm, I'm so confused and just kind of snuck away and ran inside and found the person by the till and just uh. and, and so basically I spent the rest of the lunch I, I was sat near them as well and I spent the rest of the lunch uh, guys basically just kind of like hiding <laughs> well I did I did that the other day I went to a uh, 
Yeah, you know the Gloucester, the beautiful Gloucester services. Ah, uh, I do. I know it well. And um, you know, normally it's got two two side entrances, and you normally can go in any one, can't you? Okay. Yeah. Obviously, at the moment, like the left one is in, and the right one's out. Or, you know, whichever. Shake it and, on the um, And so, um, I've got a hole in my pocket, so I put my change in my pocket as I was leaving, and I got all flummoxed because it started to fall out my out my down my leg and into my socks and that. And so I wasn't really paying attention to which exit I was going out of. And so as I was leaving, there were some people in front of me. And I was like, you shouldn't be walking into this way. This is the exit. You should be going in that way. And then I realized, oh, shit, I'm the one going out the wrong one. <laughs> They're the one coming in the right one. And I did not stop thinking about that all day. And I all felt day. like, even though I apologized profusely, I felt like, you know, when you wake up at like three in the morning and you're like, oh, I did that. Yeah, like, <laughs> that happened today. Moments. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's terrible. And it's always the most pettiest thing. Do you think? Oh, you kind of yeah. Like, and you can't stop thinking about it. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Ah, oh, it really bothered me today. In a, in a in a way that it shouldn't bother me, but it really bothered me today. <laughs> um, I, like I've no. Have you noticed like all the like TV started to to kind of produce shows again? And um, okay. F- for some reason, like since Caroline's been working from home since you know the whole of lockdown started. We have lunch together, as you do, but we always watch Bargain Hunt. Oh, God. And they've always been repeats or whatever, but you can tell today was the very first show that they've recorded post-lockdown because everyone's standing two metres apart or, or <laughs> everyone's just shot separately. It's so awkward watching it. And then, um, like, soaps now like are all shot in single... Like It looks like one of our very first films where you don't have two actors on screen because... Oh. So everyone That's... just did their lines in one go, like how like you... when you're watching kind of 1930s films. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so awkward, and uh, apparently, on like soaps, they'll have like a clear plane of glass in front, in between them, and stuff like that. Or they'll get their, what? they'll film, they'll film a scene in between like fences. So they've kind of got a gap in between the fence. So when they kiss, they both kiss like <laughs> in between the fence line, so they can like composite two <laughs> shots together and stuff like that it's quite nuts what they've been doing is it this is home improvement <laughs> everyone's shot behind a behind a fence <laughs> oh <laughs> oh what was the neighbor called will wilson he was in partaking of pelham one two three oh he? he was wasn't he yeah yeah we already spoke about home improvement <laughs> we only got five topics <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Can't they just get a COVID test and if they haven't got it, they can just do what they want? I've no idea. I don't know. I no. guess, well, actually, we know for a fact you can't get COVID tests at the moment. Yeah, so. that's true. I'm, t- I'm talking rubbish. <laughs> Apparently Batman's, he's well again now. They're filming again. Oh, is he? Is he back? Yeah, yeah he's um, COVID free now. It's just going to be like this for a while. Productions are just going to continuously open and shut down, open and shut down, aren't they? Because as soon as it's going to happen, people on your set are going to catch COVID and it's going to get shut down. And I don't know. It doesn't sound safe to me. You know, like how they say like 1984 was one of the best year for films or 1989 or 19, uh, 2008 and stuff like that. Somebody was mm. going, oh, 2021 is going to be the best year for film because we've got the Batman, we've got you know, all these Marvel films coming out. I was like, none of those are coming out. I guarantee you. They can't. They haven't they started can't. shooting. It's like, yeah. it's like, we'll get all the films that are meant to come out this year coming out next year. Well, maybe. Do you even think Ghostbusters will come out? Like, I don't know. That's a good point, yeah. Because I, I don't know. If, I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, Sony have said that they're any film that they made that cost over a hundred million dollars, they're not. They've just take. They've just wiped it off their slates until further notice. Wonder Woman's been kind of pushed back until they, you know, December. I think basically just indefinitely. To be honest, well, it's the fifth postponement for that because it was meant to come out last November, and I can't remember why they. I think they pushed it back for Bond, maybe, and then Bond got pushed back anyway. That's I forgot Bond's been yeah February and then so Bond's been done for over a year. (laughs) Yeah. And then that's coming out in November. Did they push it back because they wanted to do reshoots and then they weren't able to do reshoots? I have no idea. Bond films flummox me though because they announce the shooting date and it's always like, I don't know, April of whatever year. And then they're going, it's out in October or November. And I just don't (laughs) understand how they make films like that so fast. They must have like like several units going at the same time. Like no wonder why Christopher Nolan doesn't want to do a Bond because they won't let him... No, because Bond does. You don't have free freedom of control and whatsoever. Yeah, he wouldn't you? be able to shoot every frame no. like he normally does. He'd have to. What was the guy him. who was meant to do this Bond film? Who it was, was it? Uh, was it Danny Spotting dude? Yeah, yeah, Danny Boyle. Yeah, and that would be interesting to let Danny Boyle do a Bond film. And clearly, the Brockleys, whoever stood in charge of that, um, just didn't want them to want him to do that. You know, they don't care about having a director vision. They they have a you know producer vision, don't they? And that's well, you where know, like, has always been. Uh, he's definitely like an auteur if you want to, if you're into yeah. that. Oh, of definitely, thing. I think so. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And um, like his films are sometimes a bit hit and miss. Hmm. Yesterday, uh, yeah, especially. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but you know, you know, Train Spotting's great, and um, yeah, yeah, Sunshine is amazing. Sunshine's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually quite liked 127 Hours, actually, personally. But uh, it's all right. And like you know, uh, what's it called? The one that he won the Oscar for. Some dog millionaire. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I still haven't seen that, you know. Haven't you? It's no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I think it's fine. I don't know. But like, yeah, like, um, I never saw Trance. I think Steve Jobs is 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 great. Yeah, Steve and, Jobs uh, was great. Trance was okay. Yeah. What was? Didn't he do another film similar to Trance as well, which had James McAvoy in it? Shallow Grave, which is wonderful. Train Spotting. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life Less Ordinary. Uh, the Beach. Yeah, that was his. Oh, The Beach God. Yeah, twenty eight days later, uh, millions. I love sunshine. the book of the beach, though. I think that's a fantastic book. I've never read the book. The book. Never read the book. The beach. <laughs> uh, Slumdog Millionaire. One hundred twenty seven hours. Trance. Steve Jobs. T uh, two. Trains Spotting. What is it called? T two. Um, yesterday, and his new films apparently called Methuselah. Trance is the film I'm thinking of. To be honest, it's the one oh, okay. with Rose McGowan. So it's the same film. <laughs> It's just trance. I never watched it. Yeah, it's about a painting that gets stolen or something like that. And is James cool. James McAvoy's a, an an art auctioneer. Huh, that sounds really fun. Yeah. Well, not really fun. <laughs> sounds <quite> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but the painting that's stolen is called "The Witches in the Air." It's quite a cool painting. It's uh, Francisco Goya. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy who painted all the kind of like. Um, Tearing skin and demons and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, 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 yeah. I can picture his paintings. And he did like you know ships, but with like massive waves crashing on them. Like, yeah, like really kind of intense paintings. I didn't know it was about painting. I thought I don't know what I thought it was about. Probably drugs. <laughs> There's another film that came out this year about a painting that got stolen. Is it the Golden Finch or something? But apparently, like properly flopped. Oh yeah, because it's that it got that was a really popular book as well, wasn't it? And it just came out and went nowhere. Well, it seemed like one of those airport books that everyone just gets yeah. in there. Like, it, like, yeah, like a, kind of you know, a Gone Girl or something. Yeah, or like a Da Vinci Code or something. Yeah. 
But yeah, that did come out and absolutely nobody saw it. I can't even remember who was in it, you know. Uh, Ansel Elgore, that's the guy. That's, I was thinking the, of. that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's obviously everyone remembers from his wonderful film of <laughs> Baby Driver. Oh, do you know what? Like, everybody raved about that film, and I just, for some reason, it just didn't. It did nothing for me. Yeah, like, I don't everyone's know. Yeah. like, "Oh, it's like a musical. Everything's timed with the music." And I thought, "Well, the first scene kind of was, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't get it from the rest of it. Just to me, yeah, kind I agree. Of lost that premise <laughs> like straight away." I agree. It kind of it it kind of went really hard into it, and then kind of just was like, oh, "It's a bit too difficult to keep doing this. Yeah, let's just kind of do it now and again." And then the ending, I thought, like, because uh, Kevin Spacey does this kind of like heel turn, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and I and then, hated it. And it's and just out of nowhere. And now we know what he's like in real life. It's kind of put me even wanting to even... Yeah, because this basically was just before all the stuff came out about him, yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. it? So yeah, they kind of put the film in a completely different light then. Like, like if they'd been developing this film a year later, he wouldn't be in it. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they? Do they redeem him or something in the film? I think I just remember there was something I really hated about it. Yeah, but it was like it was just like that. It was just like yeah, all of a was... sudden he just turns and helps the the main guy. That's right, and it's on like a hot, it's like on a penny turn or something. There's nothing yeah, yeah, to base it on. The... Yeah, I remember that. They're in like, like a uh, car park or something like that. And I yes, think, uh, the guy right. from Mad Men's after him trying to kill him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked it. I liked um, John Hamm in it. John, Hamm. talking of John Hamm, he's meant to be the new Fletch. Did you see that? What well? really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new adaption of Fletch with John Hamm in it, which I think will be really good because John Hamm's really funny in this and kind of, you know, we're not. He's really funny anyway as a guy, and I think he's really funny that he can do like a serious comedic kind of turn, which is what Fletch right, needs, yeah, yeah. like someone to take the material seriously but doing a com- like not doing a completely comedic way. I think it'd be good. I find I found it so funny that for years they were trying to like do a sequel to that. And like Kevin Smith was on it for a while, wasn't he? And he was going to do yeah. like Son of Fletch with, um, with uh, Jason Lee, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were going to do Son of Fletch or something. Then they were going to actually do like the the books, which were like Fletch One and Fletch Two, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Fletch One, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Fletch One, isn't it, or One or yeah. something like that? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I've never read the books. I know it from the eighties film. I just love the first one. The second one's a bit here and miss, but the first one I think is great. Still. The first one's great. Yeah, the first one is great. It's got a good but score as well. It does have a great score, and I love Chevy Chase. I know well, it's, that he's it's um, Harold Faltermeyer, isn't it? Who did like um, Beverly Hills Cop and all that kind of stuff? Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's going to be based on Confess Fletch, which is the second book, apparently. Okay. But yeah, like that. That's. I think Jason Sudeikis was linked for years, and 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 then um. Wasn't it Smith was replaced by Bill Lawrence? You know, the guy who does... Uh, oh, yeah, because Zach Braff was... Cause it was going to be I Zach Braff, he, yeah. yeah. What happened to Zach Braff? I don't know. He's he's a millionaire. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's content. Because <laughs> he, 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 he was the first... Zach Braff was kind of like the first person to do like a, a Kickstarter film, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. It was like... It was his like, not sequel to... Garden State, but like I guess it was like a spiritual sequel. I spiritual guess, sequel, thing. Yeah, I can't remember. Can't even remember. Which and I think it stars him as like a depressed it. guy again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the norm. And that's the last I ever heard of Zach Braff. <laughs> I know he's got a podcast with Donald Faison where they 
they just rewatch every episode of Scrubs. Yeah, which I hope is fun because it sounds depressing. If you know what yeah. I mean. Scrubs is. I, I used to love it when it was first eyed, but I just I don't think I could rewatch it now. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's aged very well. I've never even tried. It was fine. I mean, you know, have yeah. much. I mean, most sitcoms are just in the yeah, time. Sitcoms aren't they? Are, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. There's not many sitcoms that are just petrol. The ones that seem to carry on are Friends, Frasier. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, Cheers maybe? And The Office, not the and British the one, the American one. That's I need a... to, I've never watched that. I need to give it a go. Oh, like, it is brilliant. It is I brilliant. do, I think the British one is so well written, but um, I do, I'd like to give the American one a go. I really like it. It's become like a proper, it was a proper kind of like quarantine watch for me, just kind of going on and, and just right. putting on any episode of The Office. It's just kind of perpetually watchable for me. Nice. Have you uh, watched any films this week? Yeah, I have. I've got one I want to rant about a little bit, actually. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, I watched uh, um, the new Mulan. Oh, I actually heard that this has done really well for uh, Disney. Apparently, it's yeah. In I don't terms believe, of like, I don't believe streaming numbers, so I don't no. know. You know what I mean? Like in box office, it's done terribly, but that's because it hasn't been released anywhere on box office. But <laughs> but streaming numbers are all private, so who? Who knows? Like, it's really hard to break that down. Well, because I guess if that's a success, then maybe they might consider doing like, you know, uh, Scarlet. What's it? No, not Scarlet. What the fuck's it called? The new Marvel <laughs> film with Scarlet Johansson, Black Widow. Oh right, like, <laughs> Scarlet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Scarlet Widow. The Scarlet Pimpernel. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the new Disney film. Yeah, yeah, and just releasing it like that on a thirty-pound rental or whatever. It I wouldn't be is. surprised, but no, I wouldn't be surprised either. But I hated that. I really hated Mulan. I really hated it. Like oh, really? I didn't even think I was going to hate it as much as I did. But like, I I really like the the Disney Mulan film. I used yeah, to watch I think that it's a lot. Really, I like, think it's, it's good. It's a good film. It's got good songs in it. It's got a pretty damn good message, and the the the, the kind of twist in the cartoon. Where it like goes serious, it drops all the kind of like affectation of fun, and it and it has like a bit of an emotional turn on it. That's really well done. Um, one of the first ones I remember that growing up to do a kind of serious turn in it. When you see how much like devastation the Mongols have done and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this bloody film is a travesty. <laughs> like it that they're clearly towing like. We can ignore. There's there's issues about how they made it. There's issues about like the support they gave to the kind of genocide in China right. at the moment and stuff like that. Like, but um, as opposed to that, like this kind of weird towing the line between trying to be telling the kind of original Mulan fable and doing a Disney remake of the cartoon, and then mashing them together in a way that doesn't actually work is really weird. Um. The film is so po-faced because they don't have any comic relief in it that it's just a dredge to go through, <laughs> really. Because they, you know, they get rid of the animated dragon, they get rid of the cricket, so that and all those kind of fancy elements, it's gone. Um, so there's no nothing for her to play off in any kind of fun right. way. And really, what really annoyed me more than anything else is the whole point of Milan is the fact that she trains with the rest of the army and becomes as competent as them as like a fighter as any man 
and then becomes better, you know? Like, she becomes yeah, yeah. like... And at the end of the film, they actually flip it. And by embracing her kind of femininity is what wins the day. Oh. So, like, so it's kind of like, it's it's saying, like, in a big rounded way that, you know, the whole spectrum of, like, gender expression is great, is kind of the point. And then empowers her. But the film, <laughs> she's involves chi it involves like energy and instead of her just being a really competent person that learns how to fight she's like a superhero that suppresses her her chi and by kind of allowing herself to let out her chi is is her winning the day so she doesn't there's no like empowerment in that message you know there's no like there's that she's she was a fantastic fighter naturally because she's basically a superhero and she was stopped suppressing herself from being a superhero and by letting herself use her magic powers that's how she won that's not like any woman can join the army and fight as well as a man that's completely not the message and it's just like this is crap this is just absolute crap and they remove all like is that them just trying to because you know superheroes are just like that's what makes money these days is that what they're just kind of they're uh, trying to do i think it's um they, they the the expression of the film like they wanted ang lee to be the director originally the expression oh, okay. of the film is like a, a wu is it wuhan uh wuhan you know like that kind of like wire work operatic oh, fighting yeah like crouching tiger that kind of like crouching tiger and and because they make it that kind of fighting i think they have to put in this idea of chi into it um, to explain why they can kind of float and kick arrows who and stuff cares? like that. <laughs> Just do it. Exactly. Who cares? And it like, and there's a really good video actually online. It's a Chinese film critic. It's called um, Accented Cinema, and he goes through the film and just tries to explain the fact that like all the Chinese elements to this are bullshit Western things. That like it's like a Westerner looking at China and going, "That's what China's like." Right. Yeah, and yeah. to them, it really feels like it as well well i read uh, something about hugging apparently like they hug in like in this film uh, and apparently that's like a thing in china that people don't really hug this is what i read that's probably and, true like, I, I don't yeah. know yeah, that's probably and true. like some people on twitter who are chinese were like going well this is bullshit because this is not what we do in our culture yeah yeah and it, it, i think it's written by four westerners it isn't it is. isn't like a chinese writer on on, on it at all and I think like that probably just shows to people. So it's just a kind of like it's not very satisfactory to a Western audience because it's getting rid of the Chinese cartoon, and it's not satisfactory to a Chinese audience. Sorry, it's getting rid of the Disney cartoon elements, and it's not satisfactory to a Chinese audience because it's not Chinese. It feels Western, <laughs> like it feels like a you know a, a pantomime of Chinese stuff. So I don't. I think it's a big failure, frankly. Really I wonder enjoy if it. it. I wonder if at Disney, like, you know, like how Marvel has Kevin Feige and then Star Wars has uh, Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy, Kennedy or whatever. I wonder yeah. if they're like live action versions of their animated films has like a, a person that's kind of in charge of all those. Because it feels to me that they, not saying they should all have a similar voice, but you'd think they'd have some sort of visual connectivity. I don't know. I, I thought that'd be quite interesting if they did that. But they just kind of seem to right. me like just doing whatever the fuck. It seems um, to be that people can just bring an idea to do a producing to kind of Disney. Looking at the producers on this film, there's no one that stands out here as someone who like works with Disney that much. Um, I don't know. Yeah. 
someone um, deep faked the um, the Lion King trailer with the characters actually looking more like the animated. You know, the, well, the original. They're both animated, aren't they? But like the original yeah, version, sure. and it looks a hundred percent better. There's a, you know, the the best song from Milan is like "Fight Like a Man." I think it's called. Is it "Be a, yeah, Be a Man"? Something like that. Yeah, called? yeah. It's been um, a while since I've seen that film, but yeah, my brain's just empty today. And um, that's the mon the bit in the film where it they would have played that song is so boring. It goes on for so long. Um, there's so much like shenanigans going on, and there's so much like there's no fun to it at all. And uh someone recut all that part of the film to the music in the original Milan to like a montage and it's so much fucking better it's so much like oh wow this is what they should have just done they should have just played a montage to a song just get a new new recording artist to record the the original song and put it in it doesn't have to be in the, you know the characters don't have to be singing it they're they? all they're all so long and baggy though like i've seen they are. i've seen beauty and the beast which again was just so boring yeah uh, and like they all seem so visually like over the top. There's like too much to look at, and that's the beauty with just the animation. They kind of they focus in what you know you're supposed to be yeah, watching, paying yeah. attention think... to, and like everything's streamlined because you know it takes so long to animate these things. They kind of everything's like just perfectly timed, ready, like with animatics yeah. and that before they do the animation. It's like you know, which they don't, I don't think that, they obviously don't do that with these live action films. Because no, live action is a different, and it's long, you know. It's it's easily yeah. forty minutes longer, I think, or something like that. And they Probably, you know, think most of those Disney films were like what seventy nine minutes, like eighty yeah, minutes, ninety twenty max, hour half. Max, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like I've seen Aladdin, and that was boring as well. I didn't even watch though, Aladdin. even though Will Smith, I thought did a you know an admirable job. Okay. Um, and the two leads were okay as Aladdin and Jasmine, but um. Jafar was terrible and like the the best bit at the end of Aladdin the cartoons when he turns into a giant snake and stuff like that and he's like wrapping oh, around yeah. the whole castle yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah which is all fun visual stuff and they do none of that <laughs> yeah this like this has this obsession with um it puts like a phoenix into the tail and stuff like that and she keeps seeing a phoenix now and again that's guiding her path and you're just like why, why? why is this here why why is why did they decide this was good i don't understand uh, anyway don't watch it. it's crap and don't no, pay I wasn't, for it i wasn't planning to <laughs> i didn't pay for it <laughs> mm. <laughs> i just needed to see it let's put it that way maybe i shouldn't say that disney are coming can attack me 30 quid i don't get it it's absolutely like they're, they're kind of reasoning that if you went to the cinema with your kids yeah, it would it cost, cost you more more and you buy food and everything like that and parking or whatever you want to say sure that's true but I'm Liam also... at home doesn't want to pay 30 quid no my TV is not a cinema my, like me sitting there with you know my housemate with her phone out and the sun streaming through the you know the, the living room and <laughs> yeah. the, the phone going off and the doorbell ringing and me putting the kettle on now and again and the dishwasher going on ain't fucking like me paying 30 quid this well, is, how, how could they do it though. then what's the, what's the way then I don't know. I'm not against. I am not against like paying money to rent a film. I, I do it all the time on Amazon, actually. So like, I, you know, I have Amazon Prime, but I pay a you know a few quid to rent a film. I do that quite a lot. Um, but thirty quid is just way too way too much above my budget. It's just not worth it. Nothing's well, I mean, worth that. 
you know, I guess Disney have got, like, if if Netflix can do films with Will Smith and that that cost like 150 million dollars, then and you don't pay any extra. Yeah. Surely Disney are able to to do they that. Are, I don't. They're not struggling for money. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I tell you what though, even though I haven't finished it, The Mandalorian oh, yeah. series 1. I watched the trailer for the new one. The mm. trailer, I, I can't speak for the show, but the trailer looks very good. But obviously they're going to put the all, yet, obviously they're going to put all the you know you know the what do you call it like the money shots in the trailer but um, yeah 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 it is amazing how far TV has come even though it's not technically TV really is it but I don't know and I I'm, I know I'm not a big fan of the Mandalorian and I know I'm I'm the only person who thinks that but um. well no not I mean look I watched the first four episodes when they came out and I haven't finished it so I think that says sure <laughs> a lot. sure. Like, don't get me wrong. I didn't hate what I watched. I, I no, was, it's fine. It it's perfectly fine. fine. But yeah, it, it just it is. for some reason I just wasn't like. I'm not. I don't know. I just wasn't I compelled know. to watch. I think I just had a that time. I think then was when Rise of Skywalker came out, and I just yeah, sure. Me and yeah, Star sure. Wars don't talk at the moment, you know. <laughs> yeah. So maybe one day, but at the moment we're just you know we're we're seeing other people at the moment. <laughs> I'm strugg- like I'm struggling to care was my problem. Mm. And sure, Yoda is very cute and yeah. kind of the show doesn't have anything if Yoda's not in it. Um or it's not even Yoda. I hate the fact they haven't named it. It annoys me so much. I hate the fact they won't just name it in the show. And they have to go out of their way to kind of save the child or or you know, the artifact well, they're calling the artifact. I can't I'm sure you as the Mandalorian would be like, Okay, your name's Trevor yeah. now. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. They go out of their way not to talk about it. It really annoys me. And no one's no one even goes like, so what 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 is he called? Or anything. No one ever asks his name or anything like that. The longer they build that up and then when they finally reveal his name, people are like, Well that's a stupid name, isn't it? Like the quicker you do get those things out of the way. Yeah, everyone just gets used to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like building it feels like building a mystery when there's no mystery to be had. It's just like I don't get it. And it's like what, is he meant to be how old is he meant to be? 50? Isn't he meant to be about 50 years old? Yeah. So I think in those 50 years, would have had a name by now. (laughs) (laughs) Would have come up at some point. (laughs) Bearing in mind, he can use the force quite well. I still, I do like the fact he's still a puppet and you can tell in the trailer for the new one it's it's still a puppet. I do like that, that they've kind of kept that to it and stuff like that. It's what makes him so cute. It is. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be the same if if they didn't do that. And that it wouldn't have been so you know, just viral. Even people who haven't watched it were just obsessed with how cute. Yeah, it's hundred percent got people on board who wouldn't yeah. normally watch Star Wars. No, you know, like what are the? It's like Baby Group. It's that. It's yeah. the exact same thing, really, isn't it? But it's it's somehow it's taken off even more. What I was always surprised about as well is how unprepared they were for that. There was no. It came out just before Christmas, if I remember right. And there was no merchandise to buy. I for Baby think they Yoda. did that on purpose. I think they held back on it. I think because they just didn't want spoilers getting out about it. Because if I remember uh, when it first came out, no one knew it was you know the the reveal yeah, of the baby right. Yoda was at the end of the first episode, first and I episode, think they didn't yeah. want it to get out there. Yeah, the amount of times like there's spoilers come out through like packaging. Yeah, toys Lego and toys and, like and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. 
So yeah. Uh, have you got anything you want to moan about? You've watched a new Charlie Kaufman film on Netflix. Yet? No, do you know what? I didn't even know there was one until I was listening to the Film Junk podcast this week. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> have I just like been in a coma for the last god knows how long? Because I, I didn't so. even know this was coming out, and um, so I'm really keen to watch it. Yeah, but, I was playing, um, I'm thinking I might watch it this weekend. I've got a bit yeah, of time definitely get to watch it. Yeah, I haven't watched anything because um, I'm at the moment I'm storyboarding a new music video and um, yeah. From learning lessons from the last music video, I'm trying to be really like on it in the pre-production phase. So when it sure. comes to animating, I'm like really on it. Because my problem is, I kind of I jump headfirst into things. So like, I just want to start animating straight away or whatever. Sure. Which is but then you the kind best. of sat on set going, "What do I do next?" Yeah, exactly. So you're sitting there going, "Yeah," and you're wasting them. time. Then. Which you know, it's just because you're excited to kind of. You know, oh yeah, jump yeah. In. So I thought, no, I'm gonna properly storyboard the whole thing and properly do okay. mathematics and like properly just go through it properly, and then hopefully at the end of it, I'll have even better video because it's you know, it's well thought out. Title like, and yeah, like I'm I'm definitely like I, I'm a blagger most of the time when it comes to my <laughs> music. Like people are, but uh, I want to try and be on it on this one. So yeah, I haven't cool. really watched anything aside from Bargain Hunt and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've played a bit of Tony Hawk's and I've just got the new Super Mario 3D All-Stars so I'm sure I'm going to be on that. Oh, home. nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But no, I, de- I definitely want to watch the new Charlie Kaufman film. Um, yeah. There's a few of the films I've got to watch as well that I'm looking forward to. I've been to trying I've, I've been trying to sit down and watch um, Bloody First Cow for weeks now. Oh, I've got... Uh, yeah, for some I've reason, got that can't to find watch. myself to, around to doing it. So what have I got to watch? I've got The Law, which is like a, the mermaid film. Okay, I've never heard of that. It's I forgot where it's from. It's a European film. I've got uh, the rental to watch. You know, Dave Franco directed film. Oh, uh, okay. Like a, like a horror. I think they rent out like an Airbnb or something, and it all goes wrong. I don't know. It sounds like a perfect thing for me to put on for a bit. Um, I've got um, Ready or Not, Happy Death Day one and two. <laughs> oh, I really like Happy Death Day. Happy Joy Joy, the Ren and Stimpy documentary. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Which would be interesting because, like, uh, what's his name? The guy who created Bill and John Kay is a bit. John Kay is not a nice yeah, person. Talk about him. No. <laughs> well, I know, like, a lot of animator friends, uh, they go to the Annecy Film Festival every year. And, what's like, that? It's just, it's just like the, it's like, not, can, it's like can, but for animation. Okay. And uh, is John, it in the same place all the time, or is it? Yeah, in Annecy. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, John Kay goes there quite often, but he's always with young girls and stuff like that. And everyone was just yeah. like, <laughs> he was. He was always a controversial, weird, kind of angry guy, and I don't think any, and nothing that's come out about him has been surprising. Well, I mean, me. like, don't get me wrong. I think the first two series I think he did of Ren Stimpy are great, but that's because he had restrictions and he was basically constantly fighting, like back and yeah. forth. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. you know when you're a creator like that who's kind of wants to go a bit too over the top, you need someone to push back against you. Otherwise, the result is he did a show of Ren and Stimpy like in the 2000s, which I think it's got <laughs> naked awful. girls in and stuff like yeah. that. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> why does this exist? Ren and Stimpy is meant to be a kids show that's just a little bit weird. Yeah, it was called Ren and Stimpy Adult Party Cartoon, wasn't yeah, but it's, it? Yeah, it was horrible. Like, yeah. Anything you like about Ren and Stimpy was just zapped out of that, and it was just yeah. a, a man. Like, most animators are a bit pervy. 
and I don't mean that in like they're horrible <laughs> lechy people, but you know they like to draw their pretty girls and stuff like that. Okay, sure, and, yeah, sure. And you know, I'm I'm probably I've I'm I've uh, drawn my fair share of drawn, girls. Yeah, <laughs> but like there's a there is like a a limit, not a limit, but like there's I don't know. You have some taste. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Have some taste. I think that's like yeah. anything you make. Yeah, yeah. And, and the the guy clearly doesn't have taste. I think that's the problem. He doesn't have that kind of limit to him. And so like, you only have to look at like Bruce Tim's sketchbook or Tim Sale's sketchbook, and all sure. they draw is yeah, sexy yeah. fantasy women all yeah. the time. <laughs> they don't put it in their work. They no. they, they know where that... the limit is, and they don't yeah. argue about it. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 Ren and Stimpy cartoon show was was cancelled after like five episodes or something, six episodes, and there's tons of unmade ones because they just went no. We're yeah, done. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Did you hear though that um, the Venture Brothers got cancelled? Uh, I did hear that as well, and they were just in production of their kind of seventh season, eighth. I, I think it may have been eighth. Yeah. yeah, they were kind of still producing it as well. I think it took them by a bit of surprise, which is really shitty. Well, I mean, like, it started, what, 2004? So it's not like... Yeah, it's 14 years old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, so yeah. it wasn't like they're bashing seasons out, you know, every year. No. I love um, that show. I really do. I really miss it, actually. It was really, a, it was a lovely thing for every now and again when it ever appeared to have, like, six episodes of, you know. If like, if you want to do, like, an adult cartoon, that's that's how you do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I agree. Kind of... And you just, they, they clearly didn't have the money that um things like Rick and Morty have. Like it just didn't make as much money. So they didn't have the money to put as much effort and time and people onto it to kind of get stuff out quicker. They kinda of wanted to keep it between themselves. Rick and Morty's more commercial and it's kind of it's got the that fun it's got a more fun cartoony look that kind of works as toys and Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like Much just more marketable. Art. Yeah, whereas Venture Brothers, don't get me wrong, I think the artwork's incredible on it, but it's like mm, it's I love it, yeah. It's I'm not saying it's an acquired taste, but it's it's more angled and it's probably a bit more of an animator's animated show kind of. I would say thing. so as well. It's it's even though like Rick and Morty is a big, um, I think Channel One Hundred One basically like a Back to the Future joke. Like, yeah. um, well, it was. Wasn't Brothers, it? That's how it started. It was, yeah, it totally was. Um, Venture Brothers is more of a kind of riff on those old cartoons uh doc samson and um johnny bra no John- johnny bra not johnny, johnny bra though what's he called <laughs> johnny quest johnny quest yeah. and uh yeah and it needs you to know that like in the animation has to look like that it needs you to know that and it looks because of that it looks kind of like not as appealing i think in the way that you're trying to say not as commercially appealing yeah, I think yeah, Rick and Morty is just easier to kind of get into. It's just a, you know, a, a young kid and his crazy granddad. Whereas, Venture Brothers is about an older guy who was in a team when he was younger, and it's a bit more of a backstory to kind of fathom. Yeah, it's he's got, not. He's got yeah. kids that aren't necessarily. They're like, clone chest. I think it really helps. It's if you've really seen, weird. If you've grown up with those kind of adventure cartoons. Yeah. Um, it helps you kind of just start watching that show, I think. If you haven't, I think, you know. It definitely starts to get a bit crazier as it goes on and stuff. Oh, yeah. I have, I, have, I love it. There's some of the well, some some of those episodes are so amazing. Like, I mean, uh, you've got like... Um, is the one where they, it's got like a G.I. Joe team? Yeah, yeah, the old G.I. Joe team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, his father's team, yeah, yeah. And it's got like a... Who's the, who's the, um, the female kind of 
isn't it Molotov cocktails or something like that? <laughs> Probably. So, what what year are we looking at today? Uh, we're just at the end of our mini series, actually. Aren't we? This is nineteen seventy nine. So, do do do. Seventies. This seventies mini series seems like it's been going on forever. Yeah, it has been. But no, but it's been way, fun though. though. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, we're finally at the end, and nineteen seventy nine. So, like, uh, what? What what nineteen seventy nine film do you think of? Because there is a lot. Yeah, probably Alien is the biggest one. Yeah, I can so. think of. Alien's yeah. a game changer, though, isn't it? Like, it's just it. It's like a seventies film that doesn't feel like a seventies film. It no. feels like you know it's. I'm not saying it feels current day or whatever, but it definitely feels separated from yeah. the 70s in terms of way it's put together the effects just yeah it, it feels very much more modern you know like um like decades obviously don't split like culture doesn't split by decade neatly yeah like, despite yeah. what we're doing but like uh i think the 70s break is kind of around 77 and like you have films that are like before that and after really yeah. in terms of like presentation and alien is definitely that yes it was released in the 70s but it's a modern blockbuster it's a modern yeah, sci-fi blockbuster 100% it, um and it feels it it still feels it today i remember i saw it in the cinema um about oh wow 10 years ago it might be a little longer than that and it was it would like us seeing an entirely new film it was you know it was it it felt like it was a new release it, it was terrifying in new ways it was exciting in different ways it was it was wonderful actually and it alien holds up so well there's a really good documentary about the making of Alien called Memory, okay. which I strongly recommend. But it's quite fascinating the story about Alien, like how um, Dan O'Bannon like wrote it. He like created it like after doing Dark Star with John Carpenter. Oh, and then, sure, yeah. And I think he was the person as well that found um, Giga's artwork and stuff, and was like, right, "This is this is what our Alien should look like," and that. And then I think the script pretty much got taken away from him. People tried to take his name off, really, the and stuff like that. Yeah, it's quite quite fascinating. Like I feel like, even though you don't get me wrong, he had a great career. Dan O'Bannon did, but it, it felt felt like he had to fight and struggle to kind of keep his name on things and stuff like on that. Things, so, right? Because he um he did Total Recall, didn't he? That's I think right. so. And I think he worked on Blade Runner as well. But again, I think he was fucked around with yeah. Blade Runner as well. And Blade Runner's got a really weird written history, yeah. yeah. Yeah, But yeah, like, Ridley Scott is a complicated one for Alien, because as far as I can tell, he may be given a little much too little big of credit for how the film is. <laughs> is that, like, a fair thing to say? Well, I think um, he's definitely... He's a, he's a filmmaker that's obsessed with texture, and I think that's the one thing yeah. that he really brings to that film. So, for example, when they get on the Alien planet, like, and they go inside, you know, the ship with all the the pod eggs and stuff like that. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, it looks fantastic. But the thing is with Ridley Scott, he's only as good as the script. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, know, he can he so can elevate a good script, but if he's got yeah. a bad script, it's like, you know, it's just evident by, uh, in my opinion, Prometheus, I think is, I think it looks amazing. It does look amazing. But it's a fucking awful film, yeah, in my opinion. But there's a lot of people who love that film. I just and think then, the same as Covenant as well. I think Covenant just... looks ugly though, for for one no, of his I films. I think it looked ugly, but I just thought it looked very brown and just drab. Mm, it didn't. I, yeah. I don't know. It was yeah, yeah. 
I'm t- I'm trying to think, and it's just not that exciting. No, I didn't like that. I don't like those new Alien films. And he's apparently doing it again anyway. And it's he's doing got, another and one. The next one is nothing to do with um, Prometheus or Covenant. No, like, what? So what's the and, point? I know. And what's the? I don't. Who cares? It's, who cares? Like, Alien to me. Don't I? Look, Alien, the first one for me is the best out of the lot, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the second one's really fun, and I enjoy it a, a hell of a lot. Yeah. But after but that, for um, me, it like it's like Terminator. Like, stop trying to world build it. Stop it. Like, well, I, I always always put those two together because like um both of them, both of them are similar time period coming out um around this time when it's Terminator kind of just the start of the eighties, isn't it? Well, they're both kind of um, slasher films, aren't they? Really, like yeah, they're about just slasher people films being, being like, chased by something by, slower yeah. and yeah, like um. But like both of them, the big thing about that's important with both of them is that James Cameron did the sequels for them, yeah. and like James Cameron is a genius, no matter what you think of him. Like in the fact that it's not easy to do what he did. He took like this horror film Alien and then made an action film as a sequel. He did the same thing with Terminator Two. He didn't just remake the first film. He twisted it on its head and made it yeah, kind yeah. of an action sequel. And it's and because. They seem so effortless that you just do this with this property. Of course you do this with property. It's obvious that that's where you go with it and it's going to be wonderful. Ever since those sequels, people have been just trying to do it again and it's not yeah. easy. Like and it and they keep just and you can walk into any production office and say, Aliens, it was brilliant. Like we'll just do we'll you know, we'll keep pushing with this action stuff and no one's ever been able to do it again in any yeah. sort of way. And yawn. I just every t- I'm just so fed <laughs> up with them. Every time they do, every time they announce something new about Alien, I just don't care. I just don't care at all. It's and it's such a shame. And they're like, we've got yeah. Arnie back, and it's like, oh, whoop de doo. Great. Like, uh, yeah, great. I just why? Wasn't Neil Blomkamp going to do an Alien film, and then yeah, Ridley Scott's was. Prometheus or Covenant, whichever one of those kind of nixed that idea? I think Neil Blomkamp nixed it a little bit. That guy has got no. Um, he has not proven that he can handle anything, any budget or any film. Well, like, I, I, District 13, is that the... Is it District, District 9. District, there's another one called District 13, which I think is, is like a free-running film. Oh, yeah, there is. You're anyway, right. Yeah. So I always get confused with the title. But uh, that was a really good film, I thought. Um, but, like... I, I, maybe Hot Take, I don't think it holds up. And I, think I haven't watched better. it for a while. But, I, think, uh, I think it kind of... It just about gets a film out of the short, in my opinion. Like, but it's like, one of those. Like, has he only done two films since then? Chappie and, and Elysium. 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 And Chappie is is a, Chappie's a war crime. Like <laughs> it, it's it's honestly one of the worst things that's ever been made. That's why he lost Alien. Chappie is bafflingly awful. It's it's very very much one of the worst things that's ever been made. Chappie's basic <laughs> is got like is it got Diane Wood in it that like. South African yeah, hip-hop yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are insane. Like, if you ever watch that guy, Ninja, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, he doesn't come across as a very nice person, but, um, sure. Yeah, they seem very odd. But it's they're, like, they're probably the best thing about Chappie. <laughs> probably, very probably because they're the most real thing in it. They, they can't. Yeah. Chappie is, um, there's, I can't remember who said this. I can't, is it Richard Lawson? I can't remember who said it. He's, he basically has the Chappie test. And he says, like, you can tell a film's really good that if Chappie was in it, it'd still be a good film. <laughs> Is it strong enough to take a Chappie being put in into it? <laughs> well, who did the voice for Chappie? So was, it, was it um, 
the guy that he always uses. Yeah, Chateau Copley. Chateau Copley, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I like. I like Chateau Copley a lot. I really do. But um, I think he's like a guy that you have to know how to use him. Yeah, yeah, otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, like he, because he does accents and stuff like that, and I think he can kind of get a bit much if he. If you get a bit, it. yeah, get a bit much on it. But yeah, I'm Neil Blomkamp was just like, I'm gonna make Alien a sequel to Aliens, and it's gonna be better than all the rest. I think that was his pitch or something. Wasn't he gonna do um, a RoboCop as well? Oh yeah, I think he was. Yes, he was going to do RoboCop. Um, RoboCop Returns, I think it was called, and yeah, it was going to ignore RoboCop two, ignore RoboCop three. You know the big thing people like to do now. Again with um, RoboCop, like I don't know what you do. What what else you do with that property? Like, didn't they say all the sequel to RoboCop? There can't be that. The whole point of RoboCop is there can't be a sequel. Like, so I don't get it. What else is there to say after RoboCop (laughs) one? Like, I don't get it. They literally can't be because because like the end of RoboCop is he regains his humanity, right? Yeah, but then Um, they regress it. Then they regress it as soon as you put the helmet back on him. That's a sad thing. That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing if he has the helmet back on. And I never get this about RoboCop. It's almost like RoboCop now. It's almost like people haven't seen it. And just don't get that that's like the whole point of it is that he regains his humanity. So he doesn't, he isn't Robocop. If he's Robocop, then that's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good oh, well. thing. I always think this is about Robocop. I can talk about Robocop for a lot. <laughs> right. What else came out this year? <laughs> Robocop did. No. Um, uh, oh, there's a film came out this year, which is um, really good. <laughs> I kicked the table. <laughs> Um, uh, a film came out this year which is considered a masterpiece by absolutely everyone in the world and people love it and will talk about it all the time and tell you how much of a masterpiece it is and you'll ne- and you have to watch it and the filmmaker won't fucking leave it alone and every single time he's touched it he's ruined it more and more and more what's that? which is Apocalypse Now oh yeah fucking Apocalypse Now Redux is that is just atrocious I've that when never he went, watched it and he goes like, well, you know how we all liked Apocalypse, and even though it's three hours long, it's really kind of engaging, and it really drives you into this kind of hellish landscape. How about if it was four and a half hours long, and it just sits about in the camp for about <laughs> three hours at the beginning? <laughs> it's so weird that he won't leave Apocalypse now alone, uh, Mr. Mr. Coppola. And he, I think th- this year there was meant to be another, um, another uh, Apocalypse Now come out. It won't because of COVID, but he's recut oh. it again and again. To release it again, I know he's so, recutting Godfather Three. Is it? Oh, good. And they're they're doing <laughs> they're recutting um, Rocky Four as well. What? Like, why? Is? Why is that even? And apparently, why is that a thing? Sly was like, "Yeah, we're getting rid of um, oh, what's his the what's robot." His, yeah, what's who's whose robot is it though? It's um, it's oh what is uh, oh god, I can't remember the what's name. What's his name? It's his it's his brother-in-law, brother-in-law whatever yeah. he's called. Yeah. I can't remember what he's called now. <laughs> Are they really recutting the robot out of it? Yeah, apparently they're getting rid of the robot. <laughs> oh, who is putting up the money to do that? That's amazing. Speaking of Rocky, Rocky 2 came out in Did 79, it? yeah. Rocky 2's fine. I think. Rocky 2's good. Again, though, like, you're never going to get it better than the first Rocky. Yeah, Creed I can was see great, why you Creed... had to make a sequel. I thought Creed was great. Yeah, I love Creed. I didn't think as much of Creed 2. I haven't seen it. So got I got quite bored of it, but Creed's great. Um, what else came out this year? Uh, oh! Um, let's see if you get this one. This is a good one. So, a director who ends up being an absolute icon of the world um, of animation 
releases his first film this year. I uh, is it is it Lupin or whatever Castle of Yes, Lupin yes. the Third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Castle of Cagliostro. Yeah, Hail hey, Miyazaki. It's, film, first film. it's a wonderful film yeah, and yeah. it holds up so well as well. Like even if you don't know Lupin as a character, the film you can just watch. And yeah, that's that's Hayao Miyazaki's first film, 1979, and it's wonderful. Watch that. Everyone watch that. Um, <laughs> the the Carl Rayner classic, The Jerk, came out as well. Oh God, I haven't I, seen The Jerk in years. I love that film so <laughs> <Do> much. <you? laughs> I don't need anything except for this lab. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve Martin has got such a weird career. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I think I think. Did the jerk do well though? I don't know. I have no idea. No idea. I, I think so. Well, because he he must have worked done quite well because he didn't he do like three films with Carl Rayner. I know he did. Uh, after that, it was the man. Was it the man with two brains or man with two brains? Is that Carl Rayner as well? Yeah, and then I'm not sure if um, Dead Men is it Dead Men wear plaid? Was it Dead Men don't wear plaid? <laughs> You're evoking a lot of Steve Martin films I've never seen, I have to say. <laughs> well, that one, De- is it, I'm trying to think if it's called Dead, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid is a film, and but it is by Carl Rayner, yeah. But basically, it's Steve Martin inserted into all like 40s gangster films and stuff like that. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah, it's really quite well done, to be honest. But, yeah, yeah. your mileage may vary on it, but it's, it is well sure. done, well put together. Oh my god, he Carl Rayner did all of me as well, which is another Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise they worked together this much. But I, I do love Steve Martin though. Like Parenthood's a great film. I I and, do like Steve Martin. I just and, his films are just a weird collection of stuff. <laughs> which is the one where like, he's got the big nose, is it Roxanne? That's Roxanne, isn't it? Yeah. He's a fighter. And like Three Amigos is an absolute joy for yes. me. Um Planes Trains is the same. Yeah. Apparently like, are so. they remaking that? Oh, I did hear they're remaking it, yeah. yeah. Um, and everyone was with... up in arms because it was like a black cast. I think it might yeah, be. Yeah, it's, um, it's what's his face? The only... Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, yeah. Is it The Rock as well? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who should we put this guy with? I don't know, The Rock. I watched um, Ride Along this week and I found it funny. There we go. There's Who's in that one? Kevin Hart and The Rock. Kevin Hart and, um... oh God, my brain <laughs> today. <laughs> Ice Cube, no. Ice Cube. Is it Ice Cube? Ice tea. <laughs> is it Ice tea? Mellow tea. I don't know. You're going to have to cut this out. It is Ice Cube. Yes, it is Ice Cube. I liked it. It was funny. Um, yeah. I don't know uh, what else to say. You've got Life of Brian. Uh, yeah, Life of Brian. Uh, uh, oh, Muppets movie comes out this year. I love the, the Muppets, Muppets movie. movie. Which is delightful. Yeah. It's well and fun. also you get um, Star Trek The Motion Picture comes out this year. Oh yeah, which has a kind of relation to today's. Yeah, film. that's why I mentioned it. Yeah, that was my segue. Like, because um, Star Trek the motion picture is bloody weird. Um, yes. It's I don't really like it, but I don't. Um, I don't hate it. It's just it was clearly you know they'd seen two thousand and one, and they were like, let's do Star Trek like that's two thousand and one, and they spent so much money on it. Well, just that um, end bit with with Spock in just going yeah. through, and he's got all the trippy seventies visuals. The trippy seventies visuals and everything like that. It's such a bizarre film, and uh, they re they restyle them all. They don't look like Star Trek like uniforms anymore. They they redraw the ship and everything like that and stuff. Um, it is a long film. It's like two hours and a half or something. Um, 
it's a slow film as well. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really do well in cinemas either. <laughs> uh, because what the, what the problem is that Star Wars had come out in between them starting this film and then releasing it. Yeah. So, people, um, well, this is what we want now. <laughs> yeah, we want Star Wars. What is this like existential kind of trip into space? Well, because how like, long did this, this series must have been over longer than ten years since? Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, it only ran for three seasons in the sixties. Yeah, yeah. It just it it wasn't really that popular at the time. It was actually mainly got Reruns. popular on like syndication yeah. more than anything else. Um, so to kind of fix it, made enough money that they can kill, still keep doing it. So to fix the kind of the the um. To fix the kind of problems of Star Trek the motion picture, they hire on the director of like this film, Nicholas Meyer. Is it Nicholas Meyer the name? Yeah, and I think yeah. to save costs, they reuse a lot of the effect shots as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Nicholas Meyer comes on board Star Trek. He takes the script on as well because Nicholas Meyer's mainly a writer, even though he is a director as well. And uh, he makes uh, Wrath of Khan, and I would say that you know that changes Star Trek forever. Wrath of yeah, Khan it's is, one of the. Right? It's, and it's, it's probably the best Star Trek film. film. Yeah, it is. It is by far. Didn't right. he do Undiscovered Country as well? Uh, was it? Yeah, yeah, the sixth film. Yeah, he did. So like which that, is that also a great right film. Well. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw that cinema with you. I think. Yeah, we did. It was for Oliver Westbrook's birthday. Yeah, that's a weird <laughs> memory. <laughs> um, yeah, and Undiscovered Country is brilliant. But he also wrote the script. He wrote the script of Voyage Home, which is the one when they go to San Francisco in the eighties to get a whale. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is basically a lot of this film. It's a is, today's film. Is that well, the Shatner so. film? Is that the one Shatner directed? Uh, I think it's the one Nimoy directed. Oh, yeah, Shatner Nimoy did five, didn't he? Shatner did, did five, which is um, yeah. I think Shatner <laughs> only got that because he was like, "Well, I won't do it unless like if Spock can yeah. direct a film." It was. I wanted it was, to totally was. But yeah. the thing is with Spock though, like he did. Um, Three Men and a Baby, which was like one of the biggest films of that year. So he was a proven yeah, filmmaker. Yeah, he was a proven filmmaker. Yeah, he can handle a kind of a budget and everything like that and handle the kind of set and the demands of doing such a big film. And um, four, Voyage Home is wonderful. Uh, I will stand up for yeah. that film. It's wonderful. Like, and Three, not so much. Anyway, we're <laughs> talking about Star Trek. But like, uh, but yeah, Nicholas Meyer is... Uh, uh, coming off like that's the film he does after time after time as well he's going straight into Star Trek so I just think that's kind of cool really um, but that's what we're covering today we're going to cover Nicholas Meyer's 1979 film time after time the time is 1893 and novelist and inventor H.G. Wells invites you to join him on a flight from London to San Francisco in under a minute you will be transported to a bizarre and fantastic new age. Today. Time after time. For H.G. Wells, the modern world offers a spectacular array of revelations, embarrassments, and delights. Hello there. Hello. What's up, Doc? I beg your pardon? You were saying? Where to? Uh, could you please take me as quickly as possible to the Hyatt? But Wells has not come here as a tourist. His visit will be somewhat more dangerous. For he is pursuing Jack the Ripper, a villain who has eluded his fate by escaping into time. Ninety years ago, I was a freak. Today, I'm an amateur. 
I'm obliged to take you back to face the consequences of your acts. You take me back. How do you propose to do that? By force? Be reasonable, John. We don't belong here. A 19th century gentleman. What? You don't close your eyes. And a 20th century woman. Well, neither do you. Join forces to capture a criminal from the past. At large, in the modern world. But even more than they want him, he needs them. You throw me the key, and I'll release the girl. On your honor, John, you have my word as a gentleman. I would have expected that you'd notice by now that I am not a gentleman. Say goodbye. Goodbye, Herbert. You haven't instructed him in the use of one of these machines, have you? Checkmate, and you've lost again. A romantic adventure, a breathless chase around the world and across a century. Time after time. So this film's like um film's based on a book, if you don't know that. Yeah, it came out the same year, didn't it, I think? Yeah, he actually kind of... I think the story goes that he was told about the book or he spoke to the author about it and he thought it was such a great idea that he just oh. bought... He bought the script off. Well, he bought the rights to the book. So And he wrote... They were, like, it, made at the same time, kind of. Yeah, and just made it exactly the same time, yeah. So, like, I think the film actually came out first uh, before the book, but I can't remember. But, um, right, okay. But yeah, Time After Time is a, a story about H.G. Wells in London, <laughs> who uh, is oh, the famous H.G. Wells, the author. And he he, he actually invents the time machine <laughs> instead himself. And during a dinner party, his guest goes back in time. No, goes forward in time to run away from the police because he's actually Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and then and then H.G. Wells chases after him. And they have adventures in 1979 San Francisco. That's that's the film. <laughs> so there's two things that sprung to mind when watching this. So one, it was kind of like the Terminator. Okay, yeah. It's, okay. Instead of go, so instead of going back in time, they go forward in time. He's yeah. trying to stop the guy from killing everyone. So he's like, you know, so Jack the Ripper is like the Terminator, and H.G. Wells is like Kyle Reese. And also, <laughs> going back to Star Trek, it felt like they were on the hollow deck and they were oh, like living yeah. out some sort of fantasy kind of oh totally yeah totally i can get that it's um it's funny it's a funny film it's like um cuz it's really i think it's sold as a big adventure film really but it's not really it's more like a romance film that's yeah and i think if they'd sold it a little more on the romance element of it that might be more accurate to actually what it was trying to do because it's not there's not that much kind of ripper action you know and it's the go i don't know i don't know what i'm saying so did it do well i don't think it did very well um 
I box office was 13 million. I don't know what its budget was though. Yeah. Um, I think it did okay-ish, really. But it's um, it's kind of after that it became a bit like a bit of a cult kind of film, um, and a bit kind of well loved by people that have seen it. And I can see why it's really it is really appealing. I can see why it's got it made that kind of cult status to it. So it's worth noting that Malcolm McDowell plays um, H.G. Wells. He does, yeah. And I think the, I think Malcolm McDowell is actually kind of interesting in this time period as well because he's uh, another film critic has likened him to um, oh bloody hell, uh, Charlemagne, Charlemagne, okay. Timothy. Charlemagne, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. That's his name, isn't it? Wasn't that a song? <laughs> I don't know, or a singer, or like a, I don't know. It's an early medieval king of France. Is oh. what I'm saying. <laughs> um, the first early. Well, so he um, <clears throat> he'd done like If and Clockwork Orange and stuff. Hadn't yeah, he? he kind of he was this really really thin, really like um, kind of screen lead. Who was take like clearly a leading man, but not really taking these leading man roles as such. He he and because of like a, a Clockwork Orange, he he'd kind of been then pushed into this mold of having these this weird air about him, this kind of menacing, odd air about him. And um, after Clockwork Orange, he then does Caligula, and he plays the title character in that, which is incredible kind of you know weird screen presence and and sexy and political satire and everything like that like um uh, i think very famous uns- unsimulated sex scenes in it and stuff oh, like okay. that and, and things um a tito brass film tinto brass film uh but like uh he was after doing like caligula which i think malcolm adele considered quite a you know a big um like weight on his shoulder really shooting that film for him to be given this script, which was much more like romantic and lighthearted and fun, he just jumped at the chance to play something that was just like appealing to him. Right. Way. Which it's I, I, I know this might sound silly, but I wouldn't recognise Malcolm McDowell in this film unless I knew it was him. I don't know if yeah, you well, it, yeah. I mean, he's he's one of these actors that doesn't quite. If you look at him now. He hasn't. He doesn't look like the same person. Whereas, if you look at like David Warner, who plays Jack yeah. the Ripper, you can exactly you can see the who he. You can see he's still the yeah. same person. Whereas Malcolm McDowell looks very different. He, even in comparison to Clockwork Orange, he looks different in that to he does in yeah. in this. And I, I suppose he's got the moustache and he's like the glasses and the hair, so he's kind of disguised a little bit and stuff. But yeah, and he was doing. He's putting on a, an accent and a voice and stuff like that as well. And yeah to kind of hide it a little bit but Malcolm McDowell's in, I, I like him I, I like he's one of these actors who never stops working every year he's got like seven films coming out and stuff I just don't get how he does it <laughs> I just don't think he's in films that have massive productions and they're just kind of mm. they're just you know he's just a working actor isn't he he's yeah, just happened true. to have been in some big and like one of the most controversial films that came out like in the 70s and kind of you know carries you through doesn't it yeah, you already spoke about him. David Warner plays Jack the Ripper in this. Uh, and also, David he Warner's. wears the most amazing costume in this later on. <laughs> he has a he denim does. waistcoat on with a black turtleneck and some denim flares. 
Like the, the, the obsession in this film about his money belt is the weirdest yeah, thing Yeah, it's to a me. good bum bag. <laughs> They keep going on about it, and they even like they even have him suiting up with it. Like you know, it's like the back back costume suiting up with his money belt. I don't like I don't know why it was so big, but David Warner's like a absolute I don't know presence of British British television. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. stuff like and he's just a was he, is he Tron as well? Wasn't he Dillinger in Tron? He was in Tron, yeah, and I I, I really remember him from uh, Time Bandits as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was after this as well. When he, when he played, I think, is, is it just called Evil in Time Bandits? I think. I think so, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then, yeah, Mary Steinberg playing. I love Mary Steinberg. I love her. <laughs> I love her so much. She's wonderful. Did you know, just... like, I only found this out, like, apparently, like, in the mid to late 2000s, she hurt her arm or had to have a surgery mm. on her arm. And then all of a sudden, she started to play music. Yeah. And now yeah, yeah, she's yeah. then she got signed to like Universal yeah. Records and like does all country music and stuff like that. And I was yep. like, how did I not know about this until today? <laughs> I, like, I, I know because she wrote I the, song that for surgery. What, the songs for Wild Rose. And um, everyone was thought she was going to win the Oscar for that year for the best song. But oh, they didn't okay. nominate it for some reason. She won like the, like, the, the um, Critics Association Awards for best song and stuff, but um, didn't win didn't get nominated for the oscar but that's how i know about her doing that yeah but, but um, i've always liked her as a presence in film like i already spoke about parenthood her. she's like steve martin's wife in that and yeah yeah she is uh, yeah you know obviously as kids we watched her a lot in uh bats the future Back to the future which, three i always think of her as clara yeah. like i said to you earlier today that we could have we could fanfic a version where in this film <laughs> she goes back to the whole west and meets another time traveler but um but yeah, she has a great run because she does go in south before this with Jack Nicholson, yeah. um, and then she does this time after time, and then after this is Melvin and Howard, the uh, the Jonathan <laughs> Demi film, right? Um, where uh, she gets nominated for an Oscar for that, and I think she no, does she win it? Yeah, she does. She wins Best Supporting Actress for Melvin and Howard. Um, so like that for the first three films, that's that's good going. Like, there's, there's a film I want to watch for Christmas. It's called One Magic Christmas. That sounds like again, it's got like time travel elements in it and stuff like that, and it's got Harry Dean Stanton in it as well. So cool. We've got to we've got to bookmark that and do that for Christmas. But you know, she's again, she was in Philadelphia and yep, and like Elf. I don't know about you, but I got like as um, Malcolm McDowell's like bumbling his way through um, San Francisco. Yeah, like it, it. It reminded me of Elf because you've got the scene with Will Ferrell kind of, yeah, bumbling yeah. around uh, New York for the first time, and he's like, "Oh, television! Wow!" And he's like, yeah, "Everything's yeah, yeah. like amazing." Yeah, yeah, that's true. Anything, any kind of like any of that kind of out of their element kind of yeah, kind yeah. of world world stuff. And um, she's also really good in uh, uh, Last Man on Earth. If you ever watched that sitcom, yeah, the one it? with um. God, what's Will his Forte, name? Will Forte in MacGruber. Yeah, it's MacGruber. Yeah, it's really, really good. I love her in it, and she's the best person. And she's married to Ted Danson. Yeah, and she was married <laughs> to Malcolm McDowell before that. It so was. obviously, Which he, he was wooed her this. Yeah, it was absolutely. He when he talks about this film, he says that like he's got massive fond memories of it because he fell in love during filming it. So and like. And then he ended up, you know, marrying her. And you I can see why though. She's she's a dream. She's so she's, lovely. And she's she's just so like that accent is just the best thing in the world. <laughs> and she's incredibly horny in this film. <laughs> she is incredibly horny in this film. Like that incredibly. 
did you like? A... Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Like, I, I... It, 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 it's not like an amazing film, but it's definitely like you know, like how you will watch, say, like a Tony Scott film, like I don't know, like Deja Vu, and it's just like a film you put on, you're like, I enjoyed that, yeah. but I'll never think about it again. But and I think this is kind of like that. It's yeah. kind of just an enjoyable kind of romp. I had good I, music I... though. I like the music as well. It great music. They had this thing that he you know the Ripper's got a watch during most of the film. Yeah, and it yeah. plays like I don't know why it's a musical watch. It never really goes into it. It's um, like we've got like, a band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like the um, band. And yeah, and it plays music. And then later on, the composer, who's a very famous composer, that I'm forgetting his name now, Mikolas uh, Rosas. Ni- yeah, Mikos Rosas. R- Rosas. Yeah. Rosas. Rosas. Uh, um. He takes that kind of little music box element and then twists it to it sounds really um, evil and really kind of menacing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it takes over the whole score as well. I thought that was so cool. Like, I, I, I just, like, I kept on noticing doing that in the soundtrack and I just thought it was so cool. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, all the stuff about him going around San Francisco and like having McDonald's and things is just the best. <laughs> well, I mean, the composer he worked on, he did Ben Hur. Uh... El Cid, uh, he's done like massive films back. You know, he seems like a proper like composer from the old school. Like the yeah, old days. yeah, yeah. You know, it did. It really elevates elevates the film for me. Actually, yeah, I kept yeah, on noticing the com- the composition and the music and stuff, and really thinking it was good. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Jack the Ripper as well. Okay, like as like a cultural person, because okay. like um. Like they do, a, they do this a lot in this film, and it's it kind of annoyed me a little bit. But the whole thing of the film is that the fact that H.G. Wells is this futurist, and he thinks the future is going to be, you know, utopian, yeah, utopia and stuff like that. And that's legitimately what H.G. Wells thought. But like, um, they, they kind of, they kind of frame the 1970s as being more kind of evil than the 1880s or 1890s. Oh <laughs> yeah. Not, not true. <laughs> like, it like, isn't true. If I was, <laughs> if I was, you know, um, Mary Steenburgen, I would not want to go back to Victorian England. No, no, and like, like, no, not at all. Like, but they they frame it as like an age of gentlemen, and everyone's very nice and respectable, and no evil ever happened apart from this one killer called Jack the Ripper, like the the only person ever to murder someone who invented murder in like eighteen eighty eight or something. Like, it's just so. It's like that's not true. Like, so, and, but no, go on. No, I was gonna say the character she plays is actually H.G. Wells' real. Well, the name anyway is his real wife, isn't it? Oh, really? Yeah. Is so, that okay. So when they do at the end, where you see the credits, where it says, you know, she died in 1927, he died in 1949. That's actually true. Uh, and okay. She was his second wife, and uh, yeah. To talk about HG a little bit as well as a person. Yeah, sure. But like, going back to the Mr. Ripper, what I always find interesting about him because like, the reason he's like the first serial killer, the reason that everyone knows his name is is because of two things. And one was there, there was basically an act that forced t- teaching, reading, and writing to everyone in the country in like about eighteen eighty or something like that, and it just meant that. About that uh, time, people were able to read the story. Were actually able to read. Yeah, everyone was, not just some people. But also, the Publications Act meant that newspapers started being really big around 1850. So those things combined meant by a time like 1880 comes around, 1890 comes around, 
everyone can read and newspapers are everywhere and affordable. So like the reason everyone knows about Jack the Ripper is because he was just the first person to be killing in a mass way when right. the media kind of starts and actually can be read by everyone around 1890. And like there's... and. They start. They realise that it sells papers. There were papers that used to just cover murders. They were called like the police news, and it used to just tell you what crime was going on. But they used to illustrate them as well. Like so, they used to illustrate the crime scenes and things like that in the papers and stuff. So when they heard about this killing, which was explicitly very gruesome, yeah. like and and the Ripper killings are incredibly gruesome. I don't think we really get how horrible they actually are. I think in because of like the way he's used in media, we kind of always forget a lot about the details he's just no, was killing people but like they were very gruesome and he was originally called like leather leather something leather jacket or leather cloak or something they first started calling him um and the idea that he was like a butcher and uh and then eventually they realized this is selling papers so they start just like leather apron sorry and then they, they realize this this is selling papers so just start just pushing him inventing details about him stirring up like xenophobia there was always, you know, basically he was foreign or Jewish was the, was who the killer must be. And right. it just sold papers with so much, like, uh, zest for it that he became, like, just the biggest celebrity of the time, really. And that, and even today, we still think of, like, Jack the Ripper and Ripper is a murderer and stuff. And and I just always found it interesting. Well, I guess he start- as well, he's, he's like, it's because no one ever knew who he was as well. So there's still that air of air of mystery, mystery and stuff yeah kind of so he's ripe for stories and stuff like that oh who could he be like you know like from hell yeah, yeah. like you know where they kind of have like a isn't it there's not just one there's like a isn't it like a few of them in that and it's kind of like a cult kind of thing i can't quite remember but yeah no you're right um but that's yeah. the thing that's actually starts happening around the 1970s as well well not starts happening but like the the, the, the lots of theories start coming out about how he was like an upper class person around kind of like, I don't know, let's say 60s. I might be wrong with that date. But like, instead of him being like a foreigner who's coming to killing everyone, he starts being a, a member of the establishment, killing everyone. Um, so you get ideas that he was like related to the king. You yeah, get ideas royalty, that he yeah, was yeah. some like high surgeon, which is what they do in this film. And, uh, and it's the idea of like kind of the upper class exploitation of the lower classes, you know, um, and that's really popular around the 60s. So, like, by the time 1970 comes around, you've got this perfect storm of the Ripper being a big cultural icon again, for some reason. And you start getting books coming out. There's a hoax diary called The Diary of Jack the Ripper. You start getting films and and, and kind of other books coming out. And uh, people start... And I think there's a book uh, comes around called Ripperology starts coming around around the 1970s where everyone is talking about Jack the Ripper, who he was, there's new theories, there's new ideas about who he was, and he starts becoming in, like, tons of, like, uh, fictional films. So you get the Sherlock Holmes film that he's chasing Jack the Ripper in, um, which the name's got on my head again, but whatever. And you, and you get two of those coming out in the, in the 70s as well. So the, by the time they're using it in 1979, the Ripper is a big cultural kind of media figure again. And it's just funny for me that, that all these things come together to make this kind of film. Right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, am I? <laughs> <laughs> so I was just taking all that in. <laughs> but yeah, so it's quite interesting what they do with H.G. Wells in this, though, because so I'm assuming that he he will become the writer that he's supposed to 
be. But before he is the writer, he creates this time machine. And that's where he yeah. gets a lot of his ideas from traveling to the future or something. Is that what they're trying to say with this film? I'm not. Yeah, maybe. Because they don't really say the... he's an inventor or a scientist, do they? He's somehow just. Do they? Yeah. The idea of. The idea where. I, I wish I'd researched this better. But the, the idea of the time traveler in the time machine is H.G. Wells is a thing that appears in pop culture at some point. And, and then we start just reproducing it. And maybe this is the first one to do that. Yeah, because like, the character doesn't have a name in... Um, exactly. In, in the, the book, time, he doesn't have a name, yeah. Time machine. So, he's, just, he's just the narrator or the time yeah, traveler. Yeah, the, the time traveler or something he is. Um, which is his first book was the time traveler as well, which comes out just around the time this film set. Uh, and um, because of that, like every time they've had to name the time traveler in, in, in kind of films or, or adaptions, they always call him something like George Wells or something. Like hates George Wells, I think he is in the in the nineteen sixties film. Um, what's he in the Pierce? Uh, not, not I was going to say Pierce Morgan. What's his name? <laughs> what? <laughs> There's the film from two thousand two with the guy. Oh, Pierce. yeah. I'm sure, I think um, he's called in that. He's called Alexander Hart. Hartigan. Hart. I can't pronounce it. Hartigan. Anyway. Hartigan. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why they try and name him if he hasn't got a name, but but yeah, I think like that starts becoming a bit of a meme about the time traveler that it actually was H.G. Wells all the time, and maybe this is the first film to do that. I don't know. Maybe it is the first film to do it. Is this? But I but guess I it's like a lot. Of, a lot of writers or filmmakers, they you know, you look at Inception and like you know Leonardo DiCaprio is pretty much he's Christopher Nolan in that film. Sure. From the way he dresses, the way he looks, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing that creators do. They put themselves in their stories, don't they? So. And um, what was kind of weird about H.G. Wells, at least at the time, because he's a prolific writer for in, in England, is that um, he um, he's he never really considered himself a sci-fi writer. He always considered his sci-fi books actually like his lesser-known works. Um. He wrote a lot of like drama and a lot of social stuff. He wrote especially a lot of social stuff about like classes and things. And um, I may always remember that that he spoke about the Wells adaptation of you know the radio adaptation of War of the Worlds. And he he spoke about that book and he always said that it's nice that Orson took his lesser known work to do a radio play on. And it's funny to me that in you know in about 1949 he considered War of the Worlds his lesser known work. Which today, if anyone, if you asked anyone to name yeah, it's what World's they know, book, it's what they know. They don't know anything else. Um, maybe the you know the Time Machine, Invisible Man, you know Island Doctor Moreau, maybe. But they're all his sci-fi works. People wouldn't name his kind of like, I don't know, the History of Mister Polly. I think was one of his books, or like the Passionate Friends and things. Who was he considered his bigger thing? He never really considered himself a like a novelist. He considered himself a journalist as well, which you get in this film. Actually, he talks about that in the restaurant. He says that he's a he writes about issues in the papers and stuff like that, and um, he's one of these figures that I think a little too much is put on him. People are always like, you know, he invented the tank and you know invented the oh, internet okay. and stuff. And, but and and also like they'll say like like he invented women's lib or he invented like socialism, and it's not true. He wasn't the only person in the eighteen eighties talking about like social issues in that way or talking about women in that way. Um, but because he was one of the pe- most prolific writers, I think a lot of people think that he was, you know, invented them almost. Um, but he, 
seems like a good guy, I guess, from history. I don't know. It's yeah, a, well, it's a I weird... mean, they, they, they put that into the film, though, don't they? So when he's they having like, his big dinner with all of his you know colleagues and stuff like that. You know, they're all he, taking he, the piss out of him, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, but he talks about this, doesn't he? And then talks about yeah. in the future how you know men and women would be equal, be no disease, there'd be no war. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> you're all right. like poppycock. What you on about, <laughs> yeah. like young man? And it's, I found it really funny to sit, think of him as a romantic lead. It was, I don't know why that was funny to me. Like he just seems like he's just an old Victorian. It, it's funny for him to be portrayed to me as a quite attractive man in like in San Francisco someone you meant to kind of like think that he can just pick up a date by walking into a bank especially how she falls for him like she proper falls head over heels for falls him. heavily for him yeah <laughs> like, did you know they did a tv like... did a tv series of this like a few years ago oh really and you can see how they would i, I don't see how it would hold the concepts for much longer than like 10 episodes though like i don't know no. what you do beyond that but well, I guess what I was surprised about this film was is there's no time travel in it. Well, I mean, like, apart from just the one, they, you know, they, they go to San Francisco is basically the end of time no, travel. No, he, tra- he travels two days ahead. Oh, that's true. I did forget about the two-day visit. Yeah. Which really annoys me, and I'll tell you why later on. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll go through the plot a little bit. But um, how does it start? How does this film start? It starts uh, in Victorian England, where um... no, it starts with the Warner Boss logo, the red <laughs> Warner Boss logo, yeah, which I thought was really fucking cool, and I like that a lot. But I then it goes anyways. to the modern one as well. Then then it does the shield, yeah. yeah. And I read a review of this film from the seventies, and they were really excited that they'd put the shield back in in, in before the film. So <laughs> so apparently it must have been the, the shield must be the old thing. Then they switched to the red logo, and then they switched back to the shield around. Which is funny now because they. Filmmakers like to put the old, the red logo in. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I yeah, wouldn't yeah, be yeah. surprised if it's in the Batman. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they use. I that. wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it was in Joker, wasn't it? Is I think. That... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Oh God, we're nerds. But um, <laughs> well, you only have to listen to the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about studio logos all the time. I love them. My favorite is though when they like. You know, Mars attacks and they'll have like the UFO like spinning around it. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? They they kind of. I love films that do like a special logo yeah, intro absolutely. or something. Like or do something special with it. That always gets me excited. Like if something if it blows. I up mean, or the best or it turns bit into of the, the sign. The best bit of the Simpsons movie is where you've got Ralph just <laughs> singing the 20th Century Fox like uh, theme. <laughs> that was the highlight. Yeah, that is the highlight of that film. It's rubbish other than that. Um, so yeah, it's the but after that, basically, it's what Victorian England and um, yeah, like ninety three. I assume a lady of the night has just uh, been with a client and uh, yeah, from, Jenny. And, I love this lady, and then she's all been from very high on the gin. Yeah, then all from POV. Mm. She encounters uh, Jack the Ripper, doesn't she? Yeah, which I quite uh, it's she... quite well done actually, and like you know I you see so, his yeah. hand like like a video game kind of first person mm. kind of thing. It was. It was like those, um, what those live, you know, those film video games that used to exist. Yeah. When hardcore some, Henry. Is that no, 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 like Gunsmoke or something was it called? Where like all all the interactions were filmed. Oh like, when, yeah, yes, it, yeah, like Night Trap or something like that. Like yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So then when you like activate a scene it just cuts to this kind of person talking to you, Hey, how are you doing? Like it was like that. Like And um yeah, she is uh 
she identifies him as a, a man dressed in very fine clothes and, and stuff like that. Like, um, which is all doing the kind of he's an upper class killer stuff. And he takes her to an alley and rips her, basically. That's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. It's not very gory. It's it's not you don't really see much or anything like that. It's the blood's just, fairly it, tame throughout yeah. the film, really, isn't it? And even there like, was a bit they, later when you see an arm. Yeah, but it still looks like just like a plastic arm on the floor, doesn't it? And then the blood is that seventies kind of post. Yeah, glowing the dark blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, they introduce the stopwatch in that scene. He gets a little stopwatch out. And he keeps giving her coins, um, and then it cuts to HG Wells having a dinner party, and he's um, lecturing all his friends about socialism and they all take the piss out of him oh HG you are inventive I think is the, the and then I guess uh, I keep what's Jack the Ripper's name is it John John Stevenson yeah, John so, Leslie Stevenson so I'm guessing he's got a long standing chess game with him yeah oh god yeah they do play at the chess thing at this point and, don't and they? then yeah so yeah. then like you know they play a little bit of that or just continue on their game they do a bit of vocal sparring, don't they? I always know what you're going to do, I mean, HG. We all know who he is straight away. I don't know if they're yeah. trying to hide it or if... I don't think they are. Yeah, because no. like he, you know, he's talking about how you know humans are, you know, we're just savages and you know. Yeah, we're just savages who have to kill. And HG's yeah. like, no, in the hundred in 1979, we'll all be wonderful <laughs> utopia. <laughs> I want to know why you picked that. So anyway, yeah. So the police somehow. I lo- I love the police in this film, like in that that alleyway scene, though, because they've got like it's a proper Bobby with a cape and the whistle, and I love that image. <laughs> I love it. I'm holding the torch thing. Yeah, yeah, I love it too. I but think. What, uh, why? What brings them to the house? Why do they come to the house particularly? Ollie, very good question. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're just there. And you're like, hang on a minute. What? What's led you to think? <laughs> They don't think he's there. They're like, um, oh, Mr. HG, as an upstanding gentleman in this neighbourhood, we have to personally tell you that there's been a, the Ripper has struck again and it's in your own neighbourhood. That's kind of why they turn okay. up. And all the dinner party people are like, oh my God, we, we must tell everyone in the house and then they can't find. And then John's disappeared by that point. And uh, the, well, we haven't, we've, we've not introduced oh, yeah. the time machine. <laughs> yeah, because he, te- he, he basically says, I'm going to time travel. <laughs> Here's my time yeah. traveling device. Like, he introduces his time machine to all his guests at the dinner party, and then they go through excruciating detail the way the time machine works. Do you like... know my favorite thing. Okay, so there's so many details on this machine. Yeah. That he's the the one guy's gravitated to this one little golden. There's loads of little golden trinkets all around it, and he just pulls out and goes, "So what's this?" What's it's like, this? What, yeah. How did you know that you could pull that? Like. Why did he know that one could be pulled out? I yeah, know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's just like a cosmic key, and it's they don't really explain it. It's just oh like... God! So yeah, he um, there's two keys, isn't there? So there's yeah. the one key itself that you put in the time machine in the in the cockpit. In the ignition. That <laughs> if it hasn't got a key in, it's it's a homing device. So oh, it that's returns it, yeah, back yeah. to its de- to its designation. This is very important for the film, otherwise nothing makes sense. And then. The, the the little kind of weird stick that you pull out the side of it is the vaporizing equali- equalizer, <laughs> which it makes if that's not in the machine, that means the t- the you travel in time without the time machine. Right. Okay. So you're just in an infinite void of space yeah. and time. Yeah. You're just lost wherever you go or something like that, basically. 
Um, I did like he says here that um, it takes two years a minute to travel. Yes. <laughs> I really like that speed. And it, yeah, like, and the way you navigate through time is you turn west for tomorrow and east for yesterday, <laughs> which I thought was very nice. That might actually be from the book itself. It's been years since I read it. But, but obviously I he really sets up this exposition so that when John is trying to hide from the police, he travels. He knows how to use it. Travels yeah. to 1979. But it's also for the audience, Serg. You know yeah. exactly how this has worked. It's really big exposition stuff. Um, you know, it's just all about rules at this point. I did like... Um, I thought it was weird that the time machine didn't actually look like the time machine from the book that much. And I wondered, like, because the time machine, the film, came out not too long before they made this. And I wonder if they were just trying to, like, give it a more modern looking... There's definitely some details that are similar. But the other one, it's more like a carriage. It's like open top, isn't it? And um... It is. It's basically like a chair with a clock behind yeah. it with loads of There's definitely stuff. some yeah. details. But yeah, I just think they wanted to kind of tech it up a bit. I mean, it's quite it fascinating that Bats the Future is only like five years after this. And the effects mm. are like, it's night, night and day. day, like miles ahead. It's so insane. Like. I kind of enjoyed the special effects. I, I did. I did of. in a way. Like the rotoscoping was hilarious. Yeah. Like when they kind of like cut around people where they're doing like the little kind of flashy effects and stuff. Like yeah, that. and they're just basically like someone scribbling light over the frame. I don't know how they're doing it, but I, I liked it. I, I thought it's kind of fun. But like, so yeah, when when HG Wells discovers that, you know, the time machine's gone and then it reappears again. Yeah, he then jumps in it. Well, no, first he grabs a load of money and then grabs like his maid's earrings. <laughs> he He's like, I need the these because I don't know what currency they'll have in the future. <laughs> I wanted to say, I forgot to say, um, talking of fictional H.G. Wells's, my favourite fictional H.G. Wells is Superman. Lois oh, Clark. I forgot about that because he has the <laughs> he has the time machine. I, I was just <laughs> thinking about that because I remember him outside in the broad daylight. Yes. in this like and he's 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 working with superman to fight tempus or something like that yeah. is he called like some time traveling and it's hd wells is a he's, he's in superman. my head i kind of want to say it's the guy from hackers but it's not 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 as hg wells as the villain but i don't think it is what fisher still yeah is it just he picks he pops in my head i don't know why i don't think it is him but i'm gonna look up i'm gonna have to look him up uh tempus is played by um lane davies uh, Wells was played by Hamilton Camp, okay. who was a singer-songwriter in America. Lane Davis is a guy you've seen in everything. Like if you look at his face, <laughs> Lane Davis. His... Yes, uh, Lane... yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it. I know him. I hate to inform you, but LaneDavis.com is no longer um, <laughs> active. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um... anyway. So yeah, he, tra- he travels then to the future because you see, because it's kind of like the DeLorean where you kind of see, like, you put in the details of... Yeah, it went on forever this time traveling scene did. Don't like, you think it was get... like a Windows Media Player, like, <laughs> yes, like the, just the visuals? <laughs> it went on for ages. It was so it just long. for so long. <laughs> and um, he ends up in San Francisco for reasons that I don't know. Well, I guess he um, ends up wherever the the vehicle is so it is in the future to, yeah so it was moved to san francisco so he, he appears back there so if you l- watch he kind of shifts doesn't need directions and stuff yeah so maybe they kind yeah of yeah do that. that's kind of saying well he's moved over there instead of being over static there. which i'm guessing is in san francisco because that's where they wanted to shoot it that's where i don't know 
It's where they got their tax break. I don't know. It's where they got a tax break. I don't know. But he's it's, it's in San Francisco, and that's great. And uh, who's the first person he meets? It's little Corey Feldman. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, tiny Corey Feldman is in the museum. And he looks like Corey Feldman. Yeah, I was going to say, we know how we're talking about Malcolm McDowell. doesn't look like Malcolm McDowell now. Corey Feldman, you can always tell it's Corey Feldman. Or Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood's another one. Elijah Wood's the same in Back to the Future. Like, Corey Feldman's like eight in this or something, isn't he? So no, young. he's even younger than that. Like, it's his first film, yeah. Well, he's like, he's not even 50 yet, so... God, he's an eight. No. <laughs> so he was quite... Yeah. So if this film's 40 years old, he would have been about, I don't know, what? Six, the seven, six, I don't know. Young yeah. boy. Young boy. Got big mushroom hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's in like the... um hg wells museum in san francisco because because they have a hg wells museum um famous san franciscan hg wells <laughs> but i like this bit this is part of the film i like the most because he's like getting used to kind of the modern world and he's looking around everything and he goes to mcdonald's and i really liked him going to i McDonald's. love that when he goes i'll have it he copies the guy and he goes yeah of, he spots tea and he's like and a tea yeah, he goes, Big Mac fries and, oh, tea, please. To go. I can't, that'd be a horrible meal. You can't have tea with, like, tea. Tea with McDonald's a lot. Tea with, like, a proper meal doesn't, you have tea with cake or a biscuit. You don't have it with, like, savoury food. You're, yeah, you can, yeah. Mm, I disagree. Afternoon tea, you have with, like, with like, like um cucumber sandwiches and stuff. No, right? I, no, no, I, I can't do that. Uncool. Well, I don't like cucumber to be honest. It's basically solid water. I don't like it. <laughs> that's that's called ice. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst episode we've ever done. <laughs> Next. I like that he likes the fries and he calls them pommel frits. Oh yeah. And he likes the table. He's like Bomfritz, and then he's hitting oh, the table. Bomfritz. I've never seen wood like this before. <laughs> this and is great, and he like he's um for some reason he's oh why I don't know why he does he, he's obsessed with banks. But he's just trying he... to. Is it to do with his money? He's trying to get a better deal for his money. I don't know, like his old currency. It's a, I guess he assumes that the Ripper has to change money as well. They're very obsessed with the Ripper's money belt in this film. Well, yeah, I mean, um, as soon as they go to the British consulate later on, then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the it's British the, bank, not the consulate, it's the, the British it's bank. bank of England. Bank of England, yeah. But, like, <laughs> I like how he's drunk all of a sudden in one scene. He's got his little flask. <laughs> yeah. And he's walking up the hill and he gets to the church and he's like, I don't believe in you, but can I stay here? <laughs> oh, yeah, they make, they make it very clear that he's an atheist, which I thought was funny as well. Yeah, and but then, then they... later on, he mentions something like, as God is my witness, or something yeah. like that. But, and then the priest kicks him out, which I did find funny. He goes, he goes to, to the, the uh, Bank of England. Goes to the Bank of England, meets... Uh, meets Mary. Mary, yeah. Uh, who's and, called Amy. Uh, yeah, who she gives uh, some nice exposition, because he's like... Have you met a man here, like another British yes. gentleman, uh, trying to change? Oh, currency? I did meet a gentleman. He he had a money belt with loads <laughs> of money. <laughs> Why are they so eager? Like, you know how I don't think this in America. You know how money doesn't go out of date, like like it does here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he couldn't take our money to America in the seventies and change it at a bank because it's not legal tender anymore because right. our money gets expired. When they do new stuff, it also was different money in eighteen eighteen ninety six because they 
changed the money in like the 60s. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking too much about this. It annoyed me anyway. It was constantly annoyed me that he was trying to change this money that would just be like, this is antique. You need to take it to like a pawn shop or sell it as an auction. You can't just change it at the bank. But anyway, well, that no one cares about that. They like changing it. He does try and sell the um, the earrings, the doesn't he? Because he's doesn't he goes yeah. to a he goes to like an antiques dealer and he's like, you know, I need to see your papers, you know, your driver's license or whatever. And then like he's obviously asking about what's the World War like. I don't know. Yeah, about this. Yeah. And then obviously he's a Holocaust survivor because he's got like the uh, he's got the tattoo. tattoo hasn't he? Hasn't yeah. He? That's a bit weird, a weird bit. It was a bit of a weird bit. But, uh, Very um, real section. He, there is but, an, yeah, he um, she tells him to go to the Hyatt, doesn't he? Yeah, because that's, that's the thing. He goes, for some reason, she knows that, you know, he's at the Hyatt. Well, because she recommended um, it, didn't she? Oh, is that why? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. And um, the Hyatt's in, this Hyatt in San Francisco is in a ton of films. I really recognised it, all the lifts and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a big place, isn't it? It looks massive. Yeah. But the Ripper is doing all this kind of like, yeah, he knocks on the door. <laughs> he's like, to be, breakfast. <laughs> yeah, he pretends to be room service, which I didn't know they had. In the 1890s. <laughs> he knows the play. Uh, and the Ripper opens the door and then they have a big conversation about how, like, you know, the era is so evil now and I am I used to be the only evil person, but now I am Here, just an amateur. Watch Yosemite so. Sam. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Look, look. Danger <laughs> on the TV. But you do get it. I mean, I was going to say the big thing that happening during the 60s, 70s is you get a lot of serial killers and they become really big news. And you get like stuff like, you know, Ted Bundy's the 70s. Dharma and, and stuff like that. And, was that 80? And uh, Dharma's around the same time. But you get like the Zodiac Killer is yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly this time. But you also get like in England, you get the Yorkshire Ripper is the yeah, same yeah. thing as well. So you see all this kind of pop you pop culture of using kind of serial killers and, and kind of especially the ripper who were the, uh, just... the kid killers as well you know um ian oh, what's his name uh it's yorkshire as well isn't it I don't yeah know. i forgot the name margaret and i forgot i can't remember the names i'm not very good at murderers anyway good at murderers. <laughs> <laughs> they have a scuffle they have and a then scuffle. room service just comes barging in oh yeah 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 and, and saves then, his life, I think. Yeah. Um, and they have an incredible... Uh, chase sequence. Chase sequence. <laughs> I love this chase sequence. When they're both on a little bridge across like the highway and they keep going the other way and they keep trying to like... Yeah, it's one of those ones where they stop and then they look down or they look up and they see each other yeah. and they just run again. <laughs> and then he goes on a date with Mary Steenberger. Yeah, they go, they go to the cinema. They go to. Oh, they do go to the cinema, don't they? And he's scared of the cinema. He's eating yogurt or ice cream as well at some point. uh... (laughs) Yeah, they go to a rotating restaurant, which I was obsessed with rotating restaurants growing up because I'd love to go. Have you been in one? No, I don't think the one they're in is not. It doesn't exist anymore, and I don't know if there was more than one rotating restaurant. I swear, you always use the one. You know the ball ring in Birmingham. There originally there was plans. I'm sure I'd, I could have made this up, but I'm sure there was originally when they did that they were going to do a rotating restaurant at the top, but it got nixed. They should do a rotating restaurant at the Rotunda because then it'd be. That's oh. well. That's what I mean. The Rotunda next to oh. the ball ring. Sorry. That, I don't know. I just always obsessed with rotating restaurants, and especially like the Simpsons always showed rotating restaurants and things like that. They always showed them as like 
fancy but actually not fancy. Like <laughs> people think they're fancy but they're not. They're kind of shitty. And I think that's that's one of my favourite things. It's like I like hotel bars that like people try and pretend they're fancy with all the wood efforts and stuff like that, but actually that's really <laughs> depressing. And it's just full of like a lot of people on their own because they're hotel. <laughs> they're in a hotel yeah, yeah. <laughs> with kind of a, a bit of a crappy lounge singer as well. Um, I, and the same thing. I think I like rotating restaurants for the same reason, I like hotel bars. Um, <laughs> she basically, uh, they start talking about America now, don't they? And they, um, I, I liked this joke that it's like a joke on Americans because she asks him if she know he knows her friends in London. Yeah. This, <laughs> like, and like, there's some weird. I don't know if they're gay jokes or what, but like back in the pub, back in the, the pub, in the bank. Like yeah. she, she goes. Well, at least he's not gay. And then, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then later yeah. on, when they're in dinner, she's like, "I'm not a dyke. I mean, like oh, a, yeah. a lesbian." And it's like, what, what? Like, I get the idea that she rambles and she gets nervous and that, but it's just yeah. weird. It just maybe back in the seventies, it wasn't weird, but uh, yeah, I think today's, so. From today's, uh, the way she mind. talks about women's lib is a bit funny. Yeah, a it's bit a bit kind weird. of creaky nowadays. Like, uh, um. She does make a rape joke later on. That's what I've got Rich. that noted down. I was like, we keep trying to get away from rape at the <laughs> moment, and we can't get away from. It's just like seriously, every film. She's like, just has because he's like, no, no, I don't want to do anything improper or you know upset. And she goes, look, I'm pretty much raping you. Yeah, which is not at all. No. <laughs> She's very she horny just... though. They go back to her apartment, and she seems to make fettuccine. I think. Uh, yes. And I'm obsessed with this because they, they're talking and she's drinking and she's having some wine and she places her wine glass down in the middle of her plate of pasta. Yeah, no, that I've was bizarre. <laughs> never seen anyone do. Do you know what though? I always wanted one of those phones. The um, what the Mickey Mouse the Mickey phone. Mouse phones, yeah. Oh yeah, because he's obsessed with phones as well. That's another point in this bit. He yeah, because like, she goes, "Here's my number. Phones. You know, you can call me." And he's like, "He's just mimicker." Mim- yeah, he's just going, like, "Yes, so cool." <laughs> bing, bing, <laughs> like. <laughs> And uh, then they kiss, and this kiss is one of the weirdest kisses I've ever seen on screen. Oh, can I? Just, I just want to backtrack a bit. You know, when he first actually gets to San Francisco, and like yeah. you know, showing the how weird everything is. There's a girl walking across the street wearing clear PVC trousers. <laughs> and I was yeah. thinking, who wears those? Like, no one even, no one wore those. And then, like, the first people he meets is a bunch of Harry Krishnas. Oh yeah, and they like, overtake him, don't and they? And I remember, yeah. like back when I was younger, when we used to like skate around town and stuff like that. The Harry Christians were always around, and they like, were. Now yeah. you don't see them, or it could be that I just don't skate around town anymore because I'm, I'm. I was going to say grown up. I haven't grown up, but um, yeah, I'm grown up. But you like, don't you don't see them anymore. anymore. No, I think I think they have. They're not as popular as they once were. I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> What was I talking about? Oh, their weird kiss. They have a yeah. weird kiss. Their mouths are very open. I didn't like it. Yeah, because she like goes, do you always kiss. kiss with your eyes open? Or he's yeah. Like... Um, then after they kind of, you know, meet up. Meet up? No, after they have sex, he hears on the radio that a prostitute has been ripped in San Francisco. And they're like, like oh, oh my yes, God. My mission. <laughs> my mission, yeah. Because <laughs> this is a long section of the film where he just doesn't care about the ripper anymore. <laughs> I found out that they had electric toothbrushes in 1979 from this film. They had what? I didn't. The electric toothbrushes. I oh, didn't okay. Know that. 
I, I assumed it was a much later invention, but I found out from this that they had the electric toothbrush, <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, he The Ripper turns up at the bank again, asks her for money, and she's like, oh my God, this is that person that um, my mate... What's he call himself? Herb? Yeah. My mate Herb was telling me about. And she then gives a very bad excuse about where she's going, going and then makes a phone call. Well, no, she the... says, oh, did you, in, did you enjoy the hotel that I sent you to? And he's like, oh, that's how... That's how she knows. That's or, how she knows, or yeah, Herb she, knows. She, she told yeah, Herb, yeah. yeah. Um, so... I can't remember what happens now. What happens now, Wally? Um... I know he kills another prostitute or a woman in a, in her apartment. Is this the bit? He, yeah, he does. He, he the Ripper has a date, doesn't he? And he kills her in the car. In his lovely denim waistcoat and black <laughs> turtleneck. <laughs> There's a bit in this where he's watching her drive. Have we gone past that? Well, no. And, well, and her... There's a bit where basically she she doesn't believe that he's a time traveller. Yeah. So he takes her to the museum to prove that she could, that he's you know from another time. Yeah, and they get inside the time. They get the inside wall. the time machine. And they go forward two days. Yes, she comes yes. out and sees the newspaper and sees that she's dead. She's dead. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The that's thing right. is, though, if they stay in that timeline, if they stay two days ahead, she's still alive. Because she's only dead if she goes back again. I mean, I know she was never yeah. dead anyway. But is that right? Yeah. Because she never went... If she never went back, she wouldn't have died. I find... the, I find the point of this film when they... um, They know when she's going to die. And they know where she's going to die. And H.G. Wells is like, look, you wait here. I'm yeah, just I'm, go I'm popping out. <laughs> and, uh, I'll take some she, Valium. <laughs> she just happily goes to sleep. Yeah. And I'm like, if I knew I was going to die there, even if it was in like a day's time, I would leave yeah, the I'm house. Not <laughs> I'm not going there. Like, but she just goes, oh, well, I've got a few hours. I'll just sleep. And I'm like, no, no, just leave. Then it doesn't matter. Then you've escaped. And then you're not going to die there. But uh, she, she decides instead to hide in the cupboard, is, is her solution. Um, and then he get and then he gets arrested because he, he gets they kind arrested. of get they think he's the guy who's killing all. So yeah, H. G. Oh, uh, we missed a kid. we missed a bit when the 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 Ripper goes to a disco. Oh yeah, he goes. It, I've got that in my notes. He goes to the last days of disco. Yeah, yeah, and he and he's discoing, and he uh, he picks up a girl at the club, and they um, and because they've gone into the future already, they know he's going to kill this girl at a point. So they're trying to race to stop him, but their car gets a flat tire. Yeah, <laughs> and then you see her body being winched out of the. Um, yeah, and uh, but but H. G. Wells runs to a phone box and and manages to make a phone call to the police and tells her tells like too much detail about where the crime's happening. So they just assume that he's the killer. So the police pick him up instead of like anything else. So he's like he's getting interrogated by the police. And he tells him that his name is Sherlock Holmes. Yes. <laughs> In which, actually, talking to Nicholas Meyer, do you know the film you made before this was about Sherlock Holmes? Oh, and really? it was the same kind of mashing of, like, fictional characters because it was Sherlock Holmes... No, Watson is concerned that his friend Sherlock Holmes 
because of his cocaine habit, is seeing villains everywhere. So he takes him to Austria to talk to Freud. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to watch this one. (laughs) It's called The 7% Solution, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, And it's, yeah, it's the film that Nicholas Meyer made before before time after time so it's that kind of again like bashing of like fictional characters with reality seven percent solution yeah it's meant to be good i've never watched it but so it's got um robert devalin as dr watson and alan arkin plays freud and uh lawrence olivia plays professor moriarty i love alan arkin anything with alan arkin in is a, a watch for me um so yeah what's after this then so uh, so he then, while he's getting interrogated, the, the, he's like yelling at the police, saying, "Look, I'll sign anything you want me to sign, as long as you just go to this house and just stop her getting murdered." Um, they turn up at the house, and there's blood everywhere, and her and a, and a plastic arm on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they 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 kind of apologise to uh, H.G. Wells, and they say, "I'm sorry, we thought you were the murderer, but you're clearly not." So, um, bye. Here's uh, your shit. <laughs> here's your shit. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect the Ripper to kill Amy, so I was actually kind of surprised. When so Amy's the her. one who works at the bank with her. Yeah, no, no. Amy oh. is Amy is Mary Steenburgen. Oh, sorry, no. Who's so the, when who's it happened? Kill, who's the one he kills then? He ends up killing a friend, isn't it? Her friend from work. Yeah, from work. Uh, yeah, yeah. Carol or something. Um, and then uh, as he's walking home, they meet uh in that really iconic bit of architecture that's in yeah, like, yeah. the rock. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? And Amy's Amy's alive, and uh, but Amy is going to get killed by the Ripper unless H.G. Wells gives the, t- the gives the Ripper the key to the time machine, so he can just keep using the time machine to go around time, killing, ripping through time. Um, <laughs> I want that should be the sequel. <laughs> ripping through time. Yeah. And uh, they try to do a, a swap with here's the key and I'll take Amy, but the Ripper kind of pulls a fast one and runs off with Amy as well drives off it gets amy to drive off yeah uh yeah, and then hg wells now has to drive to win so he jumps into amy's car and he's like trying to work out how to like he's bashing around the streets and bashing into cars and and like skidding around corners and stuff i thought it was a pretty good car chase actually. yeah it was fun it. you know it's kind of got some of those like french connection bullet yeah, yeah, shots yeah. For, like low down kind of like pov of the, the you know the bumper of the car driving around the sea and stuff like that and he's kind of bumping into stuff and the Ripper's like, you didn't teach him to drive one of these infernal machines, did you? Or like, <laughs> they get to the kind of HG Wells Museum, uh, the last showdown stuff. And at this point, you know how it's going to finish. There's one MacGuffin they introduce early in the film about the, how the time machine works that they haven't used yet. And you know it's going to be used at some point. But I, I loved David Warner here. I thought it was really good as the Ripper. There's, I really enjoyed there's one bit we forgot to mention. You know when they're having the chase earlier in the film, like in the yeah. in the crowded. So he gets run over by a car or hit by a car. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Then I forgot. Then yes. he gets he like he gets up and he's taken to hospital. And then H.G. Wells goes to hospital to try and find him. And then apparently he's dead. And I'm like, how how is he dead? Well, like they they go um they go like he's trying to see his friend. He's like, my friend was brought in. He's like an English gentleman. Um, and the nurse goes, oh, he's dead. And H.G. Wells just goes, oh, okay, and, and leaves the hospital. So <laughs> That's why he, he goes on a date. Yeah, because he thinks he's dead. Yeah, so he thinks, he thinks the Ripper's dead. <laughs> but, you know, you don't see the body. If you, you're The character's only dead unless you see the body. Is that correct? Yeah, he, even H.G. Wells is like, he can't be dead. I saw him sitting up after the crash. <laughs> and the, the nurse is like, no, no, dead. That's it. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, back that to hospital. The... That hospital was like, it looked like hell. Yeah, every like, <laughs> like I know everyone hospital. was like. I know the whole point of going to hospital is that you're ill, but everyone looked like they'd been shot or like stabbed. Or... <laughs> there was people with so much blood coming out of their heads and everything, and I'm like, this is our waiting room normally, and I don't think they just let you sit there and bleed out. <laughs> and I couldn't tell if it was some commentary on like on America at the time or something. I think it's probably meant to be that because they're they're doing the whole thing about the 70s is like. Well, I mean, meant to most be utopia, of the actually, it's horrible. most of the patients are African American people, aren't they? I think they were. Yeah, they really were. <laughs> Um, so maybe they're yeah, meant to be like the... Vietnam Agent Orange kind of. Oh yeah, because you get that bit later when she talks about being anti-war, and he's like, "Yeah, so I'm a pacifist too." So that was the World War, and she's like, "How old do you think I am?" It was yeah. Vietnam. The third he's one. Like, oh. oh, the third one. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, anyway, David Warner jumps into the time machine, and um, he's about to go away, but uh, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> you may as well be. H.G. Wells pulls out the little thing but he looks um, but it, but he looks down at it as, as if to say go on just put it out then it's all right yeah 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 like he can't do anything about it it's just like oh he's gonna pull that <laughs> MacGuffin out that he introduced earlier in the script and he pulls it out and then the ripper just gets sent through time without his machine into infinity infinity i think he says into infinity and beyond hg <laughs> wells is like well i gotta go back home um and they have a bit of a snuggle. Uh, but the last minute, Amy decides that, she, no, she has to go with him. And they snuggle up in the time machine and have a little kiss and a hug. And then they go back to the to, to 1800s. The end. Yeah, that's it. Oh, do you know, it came out on my birthday, September 7th, 1979. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, you get a bit of a, a text about how wonderful H.G. Wells was at the end, which I find quite funny. But yeah, and it says, you know, they stayed together until her death. In two, yeah. in twenty seven, and then he's in nineteen forty six. Which again, which I said was true, which was true. Uh, yeah. And I think it was true that. Um, yeah, so this is what it says. What it goes? H.G. Uh, Wells married Amy Catherine Robbins, who died in nineteen twenty seven. As a writer, he anticipated socialism, global yeah. war, space travel, and women's liberation. He died in nineteen forty six. He did. I mean, it. What did you think then? What's your overall? It was, it was just a, f- a fun, easy watch. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a nice one to end it on. You know, we've watched. Some it really tough, was. We've watched some tough yeah. films, and um, <laughs> and we just ended it on a nice, like, I wouldn't say jovial because it's kind of, you know, it's got death in it and stuff, and sure, it's about but a it's, serial it's a... killer, which is weird because you know it's about real serial killers, a real serial, real serial killer. Would you ha- like of the serial killers that are around now, like or have been around recently, like Fred West and all that kind of stuff? How long is it until you can make a jovial kind of <laughs> film about them? The Ripper's just special, as you say. It's a special media creature. The Ripper is a real because you don't know who he is as well. That's the... yeah, and like there's like even at the time, the Ripper wasn't a real person. It was a boogeyman, you know, used to kind of used to attack Jewish people, basically. Or like so, like it's, the Ripper's always been like a fictional character. So it, he just like lends himself to stuff stories like this and that's why he'll always be used as like this fictional villain if you ever want to use like a villain it's so easy to use the ripper like because even jack's not even his name is it it's just what they called him so like i think it's makes sense and it's and i kind of like i like i like blurring fiction and reality like that i like kind of like the league of extraordinary gentlemen and stuff yeah i like like, like merging that those kind of worlds i always think it's really good fun 
and I like time travel films. So, and the only thing that I would say I'd like the only thing that disappoints me about this film is I was expecting it more to be kind of a ripper chase through time or more of an adventure film, just yeah, because I the way did, it was sold to me a bit. I didn't think it was just set in one... Well, I know it's set in two time periods, but you know it's predominantly 1979. I thought it'd be a sure. bit more... I thought there'd be a little more ch- time stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I also... Half the film isn't the ripper chase. As you say, they th- he thinks he's dead. Half the film's really just them falling in love. Well, she, she she doesn't really come into it until halfway through to be honest though not yeah not too far yeah um and there's a lot there is a lot of them just like going on dates and talking about kind of issues in the 70s and and clearly like you know falling for each other that's a lot of the film compared to the ripper stuff um if now i know that i think i'll, I'll have more fun with it if i watched it again but because i didn't know that going in it did kind of it was a bit weird to me. I was expecting something else to happen. So it's not the film's fault. That's just the way I was sold it. It's, it seems to me if it, like it's ripe for a remake or doing something with that. Yeah. I think you could do something with it and make it, you know, different enough and, yeah, you know, change it up and stuff like that. So I think it's something that could be done. I was saying, like, just in terms of, like, a solid kind of fun, you know, 70s kind of adventure film. Yeah, it's great. It's perfect, you know. It's great. It's, I can see why people really like this film. I can see why it's kind of maintained as a cult classic. Yeah, it's you know? just it's a solid three out of five yeah. film, and not in a, a bad way. Like in the way, not in a bad that, way, yeah. The way yeah, Bill yeah, and yeah. Ted uh, face the music's a solid three out of five. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. just perfectly enjoyable, watchable. You can't really critique it because it is what it is, and it just yeah does what it does well. But it just doesn't change the world. Like I don't know, it just it's but it's it, you can't fault it. But it's no. But it's just enjoyable. So yeah. Uh, so what is that your rating for it then? Three yeah, out of five. I think so. Yeah. yeah think about I'd the same. Yeah. I think so. Same. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Oh, that was lovely. Um. <laughs> what? So what are we talking about next week then? What are we talking about next week? Oh, so yeah. So that was the last film of the 1970 series. But we got a couple more to wrap the whole mini series up with. Uh, first, we're going to be doing our uh, our like influencer kind of episode so we're going to talk about uh we're going back to the start of the 70s i think um and we're going to talk about chuck jones yeah because he he was one of the directors on a film called is it the phantom toll booth the phantom toll booth yeah yeah so he directed all the animated sequences and portions of that film didn't he so yeah so yeah that's a film that's half animated and half live action if i remember right i haven't watched it yet uh based on a book but yeah um chuck jones you know proper titan of like animation so we're going to talk about chuck jones and watch the phantom toll booth brilliant okay well i'm looking forward to that so yeah uh don't forget uh please rate review and subscribe on all the various platforms that you find us on be that apple Podcasts, stitcher youtube or spotify uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Track. That's a YR, not a your. And yeah, don't forget if the pitch is bad, always adjust your tracking. Do you know, um, in one of the banks, by the way, Robert Shaw is the bank manager. Really? Welcome back to the podcast, Robert Shaw. Yeah, yeah. third time. Third time returning. I didn't know it was. I was looking for IMDb just to see who else was in the film, and it said Robert Shaw. And I was like, "You what? Hang on, he, <laughs> this must have been released posthumously then." 
He Post can't. Not. He wasn't he dead by then? But Robert Shaw. Yeah. No, he yeah. died in. Oh no, he did. He died in like seventy nine or something, didn't he? Seventy eight. He died. So it must have yeah. been like one of his last. Films, I think I'm wrong. I don't think he's in this film. I think I made it up. We have to cut this bit out. <laughs> yeah, he's, I can't see him credited. I don't know what I was looking at. <laughs> the ghost of Robert Shaw's in this film. <laughs> Next, moving on. <laughs> 